kick back and relax because you're listening to the game plan with Dom and Brandon. Bases loaded. Two out. Coming at you with the hottest takes on the way to sports news. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Welcome in. It's 4 o'clock Tuesday, October 13th, and you're listening to The Game Plan here on WMLN. I'm Dom Mana, as always, joined by my co-host, Brandon Carr. Brandon, how are we doing today? I am doing great. We had a very good week of sports uh, since the last time that we have been on air, and I am excited to get into everything today, so let's do it. Yeah, four teams remain in the baseball playoffs. The NBA Finals wrapped up, and week five of the NFL season in the books, we're about a third of the way through the season. We've somehow made it here with all the injuries and the COVID madness. Before we get into sports, I feel like this has sadly been turning into kind of like a segment on the show, an in memoriam to baseball legends that we've been losing. In the last six weeks, we've, I know. we've lost six Hall of Famers. And adding to the list this past week, legend Ed Whitey Ford from the New York Yankees. The Yankees have a long history of all these famous sluggers and big home run hitters and offensive machines. But their one true all-time ace is Whitey Ford, and he's a Hall of Famer. He won the Cy Young in 1961, 10-time All-Star, six-time World Series champ. He pitched in nine World Series. He's the only pitcher in baseball history to win double-digit World Series games, and he's just been such a big legend that kind of gets overshadowed in the history of the Yankees for the likes of Ruth and Mantle and Jeter and all these big bats they've had DiMaggio. But Whitey Ford died at the age of 91. He's one of the oldest living Hall of Famers, and it's just... We love that the Yankees got eliminated. Uh, we'll get we'll get into that a little bit, but just a sad day for baseball, like losing the lefty that everyone loved from the Yankees. I know. It feels like every single week that we've been on air for maybe like the past two or three weeks, we've just, you know, had some baseball player who unfortunately passed away and obviously here at the game point we're going to be honoring these people yeah especially me as like a big baseball savant i love the history of Mm -hmm. the game it's it's americana it's been just such a big thing and to see all these hall of famers go it's crazy yeah just with whitey ford talking about like his crazy career he only won that one cy young but he pitched for 17 seasons in the big leagues it's a lot as the anchor for a pitching staff under casey stangle and i i think that he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves, kind of. Yeah. Uh, he had 236 career wins. He had uh, 1,956 strikeouts, and mm. he pitched over 3,000 innings in the big leagues. And he, he was just a monster, and I think that he's very severely underrated. But he doesn't compare to the other baseball legend that we lost very recently. Yeah. And that is Joe Morgan of mm. the Cincinnati Reds. And Joe Morgan is arguably the best second baseman of all time. Yeah. When he was acquired by the Reds, before the 70s, from the Houston, then Colt 45s, before they were the Astros. Wow, throwback. Um, Joe Morgan actually ended up winning two MVPs, winning five gold gloves, and winning two out of three World Series with the Big Red Machine Reds that are known as one of the biggest dynasties in the history of professional baseball with Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Ken Griffey Sr., and all those guys. And Joe Morgan was really the catalyst. Adding Joe Morgan to that team was just the spark plug that they needed. He's one of the best base runners. He was a fantastic defender. And 
he was just the guy that would come up big. His nickname was Little Joe Morgan because he stood only 5'7", 160. He oh, was wow, a, yeah. He was Short. the original Jose Altuve, a lot said. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the comparisons came in for. But yeah. Joe Morgan was a monster. In the 1975 World Series against our Boston Red Sox, he ended up icing the game with an RBI double in Game 7 at Fenway Park. Yeah. And he was just a monster. And I think that he just is someone that, at 77 years old, he wasn't as old as Whitey Ford. A lot of people didn't see it coming as much, especially with mm-hmm. all the losses that we've been having. Over 2,500 career hits, a 271 batter, 1,133 RBIs, and a 427 slugging percentage for a dude that's 5'7". That's he, crazy. He was just a monster, and I think that when you look at the history of the game, there's not too many second basemen that you can even put in the same class as Joe Morgan. Started off in 1963, and he played all the way till 1984, 22 years in the MLB. And he was just, you know, very good throughout his entire career. So shout out to Joe Morgan for his success and his like Juan Watson legacy that he left behind for future baseball players. So. Absolutely, and all these older players have not been forgotten. There's been plenty of tributes by these major league organizations and these current-day players that are keeping the memory of these legends alive Mm -hmm. in a sport that is desperately in need of these young fans and this young impulse of players and stuff like that. Just remembering the people that got you there, not just the Jackie Robinsons and Babe Ruths of the past, remembering all the Hall of Famers that impacted all these other organizations over the years. I think it's just really important, and I love how baseball and these organizations have been handling it. It's been a really tough six weeks, yeah. um, losing the likes of Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and Tom Seaver and these two as well. So yeah. it, it's been really awful, but 2020 has just been like like that I guess it's, yeah, no. it's been a really tough year we've lost so many legends and it's just had so much loss this year so not trying to stay a negative thing to start the show but just kind of honoring um, these legends more so than the uh, typical sports show does nowadays yeah those you know everybody that we've talked about for the past few weeks you know that have unfortunately passed away these are guys that deserve to be honored and at the game plan we are going to be doing that so Absolutely. The Baseball Hall of Fame is by far the hardest Hall of Fame in sports to get into. Yeah. You need to get 75% of the writers vote. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't even get there because you have to have 10 years of Major League experience and at least get 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. So yeah. these guys that are unquestioned first, second battle Hall of Famers, they're, they're just legends of the game. And Absolutely. they've had such an impact on the sport. Yep. Getting into current day baseball, we had a awesome ALDS. I did way better at picking the divisional <laughs> series than I did in the wild cards. I only got one series wrong and it was mm-hmm. just because I couldn't pick against history. But if we're looking at how the series went, the Tampa Bay Rays, I said pitching wins in the postseason. You did. And they proved it to me. I picked the Yankees. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm never been more happy to be wrong in my entire life. So Yeah, I know you also picked the Yankees to go all the way from yeah. the four remaining AL teams and I just I could let that happen in so my mind. So happy. But the Rays have just been so fun to watch. And mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to win this series in five games, they were able to clinch that tough game at the end. Just the attitude that this Rays team has with all these guys that are from all over the place just making plays after Absolutely. night after night. It's just been so fun to watch this Rays team. Mm-hmm. Anchored by that rotation, great situational hitting and defense. Yep. And the Rays are scary. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good having the Rays and the Dodgers as my World Series pick right now. Yeah. The Astros, unfortunately, as we both picked in the series, mm-hmm. ended up beating the A's. The A's did nab one game to stay alive. Yep. But it was a three to one route mm-hmm. and the Astros have not looked good so far against the Rays in the ALCS. Nope. They are currently down two zero with game two three zip. tonight at eight forty. This is not looking good for Houston. 
No, and especially if Tampa Bay wins tonight, they kind of like have like a stronghold of the series here, and it's going to be pretty tough, for, I think, for the Astros to come back. So, I'm hey, listen, I'm happy that Tampa Bay, they've been playing very good baseball, beat the Yankees 3-2 to two in that series, and then now they're leading 2-0 against the Astros. So, shout out to the Rays. They've been playing very well, obviously, throughout the year. Talk about the rotation. There's been a couple of guys who have stepped up in the postseason as well. So, you know, the Rays right now are just playing very inspired baseball and they're looking pretty good. We'll have to see what ends up happening with them. Yeah, I don't think there's a scarier bat right now in the American League than Randy Rosarina. Yeah, he's, he's came out of nowhere, man. Yep. And he's just been on fire in this postseason. Mm-hmm. We almost made Mike Brasso's home run to clinch the Game 5 against the Yankees our Joe Kimming moment of the week, but we had a, a much bigger moment happen in sports that we'll get into later. This team just, someone else steps up every single night. These guys, Joey Wendell made a crazy play on a 90-mile-per-hour line drive the other day. Yep. Uh, Manuel Margot literally put his body on the line and dropped six feet to make a catch in foul territory. Like yeah. This Rays team just seems like a team that is just very much like the Nationals last year I talked about on the show, mm-hmm. where they have such great pitching and the hitting has been such good situationally that that's just like the perfect recipe to win in baseball. Yeah, then they're playing very well right now. Really just been, been impressive throughout this entire postseason. And like you said, there's just guys who are stepping up in the big moments and they just look like a fun team to watch. And I'm excited to see what ends up happening with them. So. Yeah, so I believe that Tampa Bay will end up taking this series. I don't think that the Astros are going to get swept by any means, but I do believe that Tampa Bay will come out on top and uh, stay true to this pick. Tampa Bay, man, the Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. The Rays are looking very good. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Tom Brady now. Yeah. Tampa Bay Sports is is on the rise, and uh, I'm kind of happy for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just all three – you know, they're big sports teams. They've been all doing very well. Obviously, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay is looking like that they're going to probably be in the World Series. And obviously, Tom Brady, you know, coming over there. So, they ever since Tom Brady's gone over there, I feel like a lot has uh, turned around for them. They've, you know, they've a lot of their sports teams have this like winning culture now. So, it's actually pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's been kind of uh, infectious. Yeah. No COVID pun intended there, but <laughs> it's been pretty cool to yeah. watch these Tampa Bay teams really step up and do some things. We know how the Lightning have kind of been one of those teams that had killed it in the um, regular season and not finished it in the postseason, and then they finally just had this dominant ride this year. And the Rays are kind of one of those other teams that they've been in it in the regular season but not really went on a postseason run. Yeah, uh, They've only been to one World Series in 2008, and they got bopped by the Phillies that were a stacked roster. Yep. And I'm thinking that similar things might happen um, to them this year, but that yeah. is still yet to be seen. I'm not going to bet against this team yet, um, but it's going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah. In terms of the NL side, mm. The DSs were not close. They nope. were both swept. Sweeps. Yeah. So the Dodgers, 3-0 against your Padres. I know. And we both picked the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Even you, who was on the um, the fun-watching Padres bandwagon mm-hmm. more so than me, mm-hmm. was just like, yeah, they might win a game or two, but they're not going to win this series. And the Dodgers kind of just enforced their will in that series. Yeah, I had them, I believe, winning one or two games in this series, and the Dodgers just kind of dominated them from start to finish. So it's still a bright future ahead for San Diego, but, you know, you kind of run into, like, a powerhouse juggernaut like the Dodgers. It's uh, pretty tough. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty easy for uh, the general manager down there to get some people to come play in San Diego, Mm -hmm. seeing the young talent and group that they have. It'll just be a matter of how much they're willing to spend down there 
there because they have a big contract Machado. Yep. They have Will Myers still on the books. They just brought in Clevenger. So it'll Absolutely. be interesting to see what kind of pieces they can add in the offseason to really put this young team over the top. Absolutely. The Braves-Marlins series, I picked the Marlins just because they had literally never lost a playoff series before. Yeah. And – I just loved their pitching staff so much. Sixto Sanchez is the real deal. Mm-hmm. He, he pitched phenomenal his start, but this series wasn't even that close. Like, the Braves' offense was just on such another level compared to the Marlins. The Marlins couldn't keep up with them offensively. So no. it just didn't really matter. Max Freed is legit yeah. from the Braves. They have a true ace um, in the making on that team, and Absolutely, he's yeah. really going to help carry them. Um, I think that the Braves are a scary team, and they were able to win game one against the Dodgers. It's the first time that they've been up 1-0 in a NLCS since 1999. Like, they, they yeah, normally, no, it's crazy. Uh, they, they haven't had a lot of postseason success in the history of their franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them to be up one nothing, that's huge for them because every game counts. But yep. the Dodgers are going to be hungry for uh, game two tonight at 6.05. Yep. And uh, I think the Dodgers are probably going to take this one. Uh, what, the entire series or just this game? Both. Both, yeah. I would say both, too. Um, you know, the Braves, they look good in game one. They kind of, like, rallied at the end to, like, put up a lot of runs on the board and kind of, like, take hold of the game. But I just – we've been talking about it ever since the start of the MLB season. I, we just don't see the Dodgers really, um, you know, looking – I don't think the Dodgers are going to be able to – they're not going to lose, I don't think. And, you know, Atlanta, they did take game one, but I just think that the Dodgers are going to end up winning the series. And if it ends up being Tampa Bay and the Dodgers, I'm still going to pick Dodgers. So Yeah, it was very similar in the uh, Western Conference playoffs to the Lakers yeah. where they were kind of just – every matchup they were in, you couldn't pick against them. And that's where we're kind of at with the Dodgers right now. Yep. Magic Johnson – Lakers legend, yep. part owner of the Dodgers, yep. said Lakers got it done at Dodgers. It's your time. It's your time. So uh, I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Clayton Kershaw does have a back injury, which is something mm. to monitor yes. for that pitching staff. Uh, Walker Bueller just didn't look super good in his first start. No. But I think he'll rebound. Um, but this Dodgers team is stacked. And yeah. even though I bet against the Braves in back-to-back um, rounds of the playoffs and they've proved me wrong, mm-hmm. I won't be shocked if they win, but what I'm happy about is regardless of which teams move on from these championship series, I think the World Series is going to be a good matchup either way. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, even if, you know, Houston were to miraculously come back against Tampa Bay and they went up against the Dodgers again, you know, how you know the bad blood between those two uh uh, franchises, and then obviously you got the Braves who are looking pretty good too. I mean, there's just a lot of t- these four teams that are left. Whatever the matchup is going to end up being, it's going to be a World Series that's worth watching. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun, and it's going to get a lot of people to be watching baseball because of the level of baseball that's going to be getting played. And yeah, just all four teams have just been playing very well, and I'm excited to see who ends up getting to the to the dance. So yeah, like worst case ratings wise would probably be Braves and Tampa. Yep. But I think that that would still be a still fantastic series. series. Yeah. So I think that baseball is in a good place right now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited to uh, watch these games tonight. I'm um, kind of simultaneously clicking back and forth while watching Tuesday Night Football. Tuesday um, Night so Football, yeah. Only in COVID year could you say that. 2020, man. I know. But baseball has been really good. I'm, I've been very happy with the quality of play in the postseason yes. so far. Um, the NLDS wasn't as competitive as I would have hoped, mm-hmm. um, but in those matchups, it kind of just seemed like the superior teams just won. Yep. I was with the underdog with the Marlins. Uh, they just had such a 
compelling season. The fact that they yeah. were able to yeah. overachieve with such a low payroll, such a young roster, um, that pitching staff really um, drove them to the postseason. And I just give a lot of credit to their front office and Don Mattingly and everything, everyone down there in Miami. And you yep. had a fantastic season. Um, and I think that you have a lot of future pieces to build around. So absolutely, that Marlins team. You didn't you didn't uh, keep your undefeated playoff streak going, but <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep that up over the history of time. Hey, I mean, like we mentioned um, last week, like they they should just be excited to be in the playoffs. And you know, they had a playoff series win against the Cubs, and I mean, unfortunately, things didn't go their way in the NLDS. But you know, like you said, I think the future is looking bright for them. They're a young team; uh, they have a lot of cap space, so you know, they're just a team that you can be excited for in the future. And you know the Marlins they they're in the postseason again and they you know won a series so you got to be excited if you're a Marlins fan for sure yeah if you told Marlins fans before the season that they were going to win a playoff series they would have laughed in your face literally so yeah it, it, it's kind of unbelievable that that happened yeah I was very happy to see uh the Marlins uh kind of just give it a run and it it was just great to have like those kind of storylines in baseball. There wasn't right. uh, too many of those Cinderella stories this year. It's kind of been the big dogs. Yep. Um, thankfully, the Yankees are not one of those big dogs Thank still God. in it. Uh, so I think I think it's great. I, I think that uh, Jared Carabas just oh, man. seeing him <laughs> commit so hard as a Red Sox fan to root for the in-division Rays over yep. the over the Yankees in the Bronx and just his response to. Uh, let me turn the Yan- he had this video of let me turn the Yankees game on after they got eliminated and he kept talking to his remote saying Yankees game there's no Yankees game on <laughs> because the Yankees are out of it and he was just like no way they have Garrett Cole they must be on tomorrow like there's no way they got eliminated there's no way right <laughs> so it's, it's, so it's just funny. fantastic yeah a team with such a high payroll the Tampa Bay Rays whole lineup made less than Garrett Cole so it was, just, it was just kind of insane to see that kind of disparity in payroll and just for the underdog to uh, uh, beat the golden child that uh, some of the Rays players said in press conferences maybe now that they'll take notice to the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team so yeah the Rays just look like they're having a lot of fun out there uh, when they won the game they're all excited they were trolling and playing uh, Frank Sinatra's New York New York and it's just it's very they had an epic dance battle after they did. that game five win yep uh, Randy Rosarina who we were talking about before he's been unbelievable, unbelievable this postseason post over 400 hitting and he's just been a monster yes he got intentionally walked a couple times in game five insane so he, he was just doing backflips and doing all these different crazy things yeah he's, he's super athletic and it was just super fun to watch absolutely but other than that, baseball right now, I'm sticking with Rays and Dodgers to make it to the World Series in these matchups. Me too. And uh, it looks like Brandon's with me now that his Yankees pick is out. So <laughs> Thank it, God. It's, it's great to go. <laughs> and uh, I think that the Tampa Bay and the Dodgers match up pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very similar to the uh, Dodgers, Nationals, NLCS from last year. Yeah. And I think that that was a fantastic series. So I'm really excited for uh, the rest of this postseason baseball. Absolutely, man. I'm just excited. I mean, these like we said, this four, these four teams that are left, they're going to make things interesting in the World Series. And it's going to be fun to watch. So I cannot wait. Yeah, so that's all we have for baseball. Um, like we said, Game 3 for the Astros and Rays is tonight at 8.40, and yep. Game 2 is at 6 o'clock tonight between the Braves and the Dodgers. Um, we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about Game 6 of the NBA Finals and the Lakers bringing home championship number 17. Welcome back to the Game Plan with Dom and Brandon on 91.5 WMLN. 
Welcome back to the game plan. And now we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals. And we have a winner, the Lakers, as I predicted. I just want to throw that out there. 4-2, to two, Game 6 victory against the Heat. They won 106-93. to 93. The Lakers, unfortunately for Celtics fans, they tied us for the most championships in NBA history with 17. And LeBron James and company, they got it done. LeBron, his fourth NBA championship, he's now 4-6 and six and fourth finals MVP. Congratulations to the Lakers. Yeah, LeBron... I'm happy for LeBron, and in the wake of all this, I know I picked the Heat. I was on the Heat bandwagon. Just the LeBron in this ride, just the parallels that they hadn't won a championship in ten years. Yep. And the last time that they won it, Kobe Bryant clinched it in Orlando. Yep. And the fact that LeBron was able to take it home in Orlando in the NBA bubble, just the parallels, the chills. Man. It was fantastic. Absolutely. And this series was really fun, um, was. despite the injuries. The Lakers. The score looks a lot closer than it actually was because the Lakers were up 64 to 36 at half. They got off to a crazy hot start. Yeah, and they were. The yes. Heat just looked gassed. LeBron ended up with a triple double, winning his fourth Finals MVP 28 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists. He's the first player in history to win Finals MVP with three franchises. Incredible, yeah. He's fantastic. AD added 19 points and 15 rebounds. Rondo, man, playoff Rondo. Rondo's a thing. Yeah. 19 points, four rebounds, four assists. KCP came up big with 17 points yep. down the stretch, and Danny Green added 11 and 5. But the Heat just started so slow. Like like I said earlier, they were up 64 to 36 at half, the Lakers, and the Heat just didn't look in it. They looked gassed the whole time. Jimmy Butler had literally only sat for 43 seconds in Game 5, and yes, That's he had of. the rest of that night and the whole next day to rest, but he still had to play at a high level against one of the greatest players you've ever seen in LeBron James. And he just did not look right. He had 12.7 rebounds, 8 assists. He was gassed the yeah. entire time. And it was just tough. Bam Adebayo was finally healthy in Game 6, but it didn't matter. 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists for Bam. He's a rising star. Yep. The big storyline, though, Robinson, Tyler Hero, Andre Iguodala, Goran Dragic, the corpse of him that was on the floor last night, and Kendrick Nunn, all were held under 10 points, and it was just insane that these guys weren't able to contribute. They were all shooting cold from the field. All the momentum was on the Lakers' side in Game 6. I kind of basically knew at halftime that the series was over. Yeah. Because even though the Heat went on a run in the fourth quarter, it was just too big of a hole. It's just like in 2K, having that 21 rule that if your friend goes yeah. up 21 points, you just stop the game because you're just playing from behind it's from very a crazy hard, rate. Yeah. So. It's insane, but congratulations to the Lakers and LeBron. I'm super happy for AD and Dwight Howard winning their first championship and just yeah, being part man. of it. Dwight Howard tweeted out after he was um, traded from the Lakers in 2012, I hope I get to make it up to you. Thank you for everything, Laker Nation. And yep. the fact that he was able to come back and be a part of this title run and cement himself, I think, as a Hall of Famer, as I think Rondo did as well, becoming the first player to win a championship with the Lakers and the Celtics, the two yeah. most storied franchises. It's crazy. I think both of those guys locked up Hall of Fame resumes. I think LeBron added to his fantastic career resume. And yep. I think AD really cemented himself on a Hall of Fame trajectory as he now has an NBA championship. He almost had a defensive player of the year. I think he will get one while he's in LA. He will, yeah. And I think that it's going to be fantastic as he's the next great big man in Lakers history getting added to the Wilt Chamberlains and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the Shaquille O'Neal's. And he's now on that resume of the big man to win the titles. So 
big congrats to um, the Lakers. As for the Heat, I, I just have to commend them um, so much. I, it was such a fun ride for me to be like the bus driver of this bandwagon. You were, yep. And it was just such a great season. And everyone was laughing at me back when I was saying that they could <laughs> knock off a team like the Bucks, and yeah. the fact that they were able to do so in such dominant fashion, and they were able to, despite having their best player hurt and miss a game, and Goran Dragic, one of their um, number three scorers, just go down and just be a corpse of himself yeah. in game six. The fact that they were able to push this series six games, the fact that they were able to play this tough in this series and give LeBron a real run for his money. LeBron was worried a couple times in this series with yeah. how the Heat were getting under his teammates' skin, getting under his skin, and they kind of just had the tenacity in basketball acumen to match up with the Lakers really well. That was part of the reason I was willing to pick them in seven games. I thought that they could really push it to seven games, but sadly... Jimmy Butler left everything on the court in Game he 5, did, yeah. so Game 6 was just a wash, and you just got to be happy for the Lakers, and just happy that we had such a great NBA bubble experience we did. that was Honestly, cemented yeah. with a great playoffs. Oh, absolutely. The playoffs were fantastic to watch, and it was just really fun from the beginning, you know, just with all the, all the teams that were qualified for the bubble to come in and really played very well. I think the bubble had, I believe, 100... It was like 150 plus games they played inside the bubble, which seems that seems like a lot. It's it's crazy to see like how many games they were playing in the bubble, and it was just really fun to watch. The series was great. I'm very happy for LeBron. You know, LeBron he was like talking about after he won the the championship, like he was talking about like oh like Rob Palenka, the general manager, he needs to get some respect. Like talking about like other players on the team getting res- some respect, and he was talking about himself. Like where's my damn respect? You know, I feel like the respect is earned here. Like we mentioned, you know. LeBron, he, he had a triple-double in the Swats game. He averaged 29.8 points per game, 11.8 rebounds a game, and 8.5 assists a game in this series. So he was fantastic. And he was doing it for Kobe Bryant, obviously, here. And, you know, this entire Lakers team, I think it was just destined for them from this, from really when the bubble started for them to really get to the uh, NBA Finals and win it here. And they got the job done. Really happy for a lot of those players on the team. You mentioned like Dwight Howard. You know, he's been a three-time defensive player of the year. And he, once upon a time, uh, the last time the Lakers won a championship, he was on that Orlando Magic team. And he was kind of the reason why they got there. Now, 10 years later, he has won his first NBA championship. So congratulations to Dwight Howard. Talk about Anthony Davis. Like, he's kind of like just scratching the surface of what he could become. I mean, he's been known as like one of the best players in the NBA, one of the best big men in the league. And a lot of people think he's like the best power forward. Now he has an NBA championship to his resume. That contract's going to be huge mm, after oh. bringing home the title in year one. Yeah, it's going to be huge. And just, you got to be very happy for him. He's kind of just scratching the, his surface of potential here of what, you know, what he, what he can be. And it's just it's very, very cool for the Lakers to win the championship after 10 years of not winning it. They tie the Celtics. And LeBron, you know, I still think that he's the second best player of all time, but it's it helps when you've won championship with three different teams. You won two with Miami, you won one with Cleveland, and now you win one with the Lakers. Four uh, finals MVPs. He's He's one of the greatest players of all time. And it was just really awesome to see the series. And as for the Heat, like you mentioned, Jimmy Butler, he really played his heart out. This this Heat team, we talked about like how really nobody gave him a chance except for you. They kind of have that like chip on their shoulders, and they played very well really throughout the entire playoffs. They have nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, I saw an Instagram post from Jimmy Butler saying, thank you, Heat Nation. We'll be back next year, you know, and just just kind of giving them them hope. And they're going to be a good team next year as well. Uh, they can obviously maybe add a piece if they need to. And, you know, it was just awesome to see this playoff series go the way it did. And 
it was it was just really fun to watch and I'm just excited for you know next season too with the NBA free agency I believe starts in December and then the season's going to be starting back up in uh, early 2021 so basketball is not going to be too far away and it was just it was just a great experience watching the NBA inside the bubble a lot of great moments so yeah I think we got more than our money's worth with uh, the entire NBA bubble experience just talking about some underlying stories here Jeannie Buss becomes the first female owner in NBA history to win a title. Um, she took over for her um, father, obviously, and just the fact that she was able to finally right the ship after all those down years yeah. at the end of Kobe's prime and mm-hmm. uh, all the high draft picks and all the missing playoff se- seasons to be able to like build this team, to be able to recruit a LeBron James and a Magic Johnson and, and uh, trade for Anthony Davis and do these things. Yeah. Jeannie Buss, big credit to you, really kind of just making a difference here. And Absolutely. I think that just talking about this Lakers team, just the fact that, like, J.R. Smith was able to, like, rip his shirt off, like, as soon as the buzzer hit zero. Right, when the, you know. <laughs> the fact that Quinn Cook got left at the stadium. That was so funny. When they were all on the bus leaving. Um, just, like, this Lakers team just had a lot of fun. Oh, they were the superior team in every single one of their series mm-hmm. and they took care of business there, there's so many times that there's upsets in the playoffs but they were able to just continually get the job done in every series because they're a superior team every single time and although that might take a little credibility away from them to me that's just pure dominance when you just assert your will when you're the superior team it says yeah. more for that than when you like choke to an inferior team yeah i mean really driven by the lebron in the brow like just those two guys they were incredible throughout this entire playoff series they were dominant it was very hard for teams to stop them in you know in this last game they had the contributions needed for, to really like make sure that they end up winning the series in the game and it's just really awesome to see that the Lakers ended up winning their championship and just going to be happy for a lot of guys on this team uh Frank Vogel like the head coach like he was part of the uh Indiana Pacers once upon a time and now he got the opportunity to coach uh LeBron and Anthony Davis and now he's got a reign to his resume so there's just a lot of lot of people you got to be you know excited for who you know again they're like first reigns and all that and it's just really awesome to see and yeah the NBA uh, like I said free agency period is going to be coming up soon and then the season's going to start in t- early 2021 so it's going to be excited for more basketball but congratulations to the Lakers <laughs> it was really funny seeing some of the moments you were talking about like J.R. Smith he's already got his shirt off right away and then Quinn Cook's like make a U-turn on <laughs> on his Instagram live story they left him behind JaVel McGee said Greek freak who and just yeah. t- had a video of um, Costas. Costas Antetokounmpo yep. um, Giannis's brother holding up the um the Naismith trophy and yeah. Just this this Lakers team, they they really just had that energy. Everything kind of lined up, all the parallels to Kobe Bryant's last title run and just doing it for Kobe with those Black Mamba jerseys and yes, everything. Yep. It was awesome and I just think that we had one of the best playoffs that we've had in all of basketball despite the Lakers kind of being the superior team in all their series and winning. I just think that all the series pretty much were very fun to watch and I think that we're really just built a lot of um, legacies as a bunch of people emerged in the bubble as legit superstars and stars that I think will be able to carry into the future for these franchises. So I know you have you have Kareem as your second goat, right? So with this win from LeBron and winning his fourth NBA championship, going being four and six, having won it with three different teams, and now his fourth Finals MVP. How much more is it going to take for him to move ahead and insert himself into the top two? And for you. 
So Kareem was actually on first take today, and I, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of this, and it's tough to compare players in general, but yeah, it is. I think that a tweet that I saw that I really related to was we need to change it to GOAT, as in G-O-T-E, and as the greatest of the era. Yeah, it's impo- like It's really hard to compare these eras and stuff like that. To me, LeBron would have to have historic final success going forward in these last couple of years that he has in the league for him to be in the air of MJ. But in mm-hmm. terms of just this era, we've been so spoiled and lucky in sports to have the LeBron James and Tom Brady's of the world, just all these success stories that yeah. we've seen um, in our young lives here. And just LeBron James, I'm just enjoying him while he's playing. And Absolutely. He, he's he's a monster. He has a ton of respect for me. I've, I've never been a – like a LeBron fan where I follow him everywhere he goes, but I've always had tremendous respect. Just Absolutely. love watching him play. He does everything right. He makes all the right plays. He's a tremendous passer, a great rebounder. Yeah. I think that he would have been able to be great in every era. Um, yeah. And maybe depending on eras, he wouldn't have had the mobility to win mm-hmm. with three different franchises because teams weren't players weren't as mobile back in the day. But that's why you have to kind of just break it down into eras. And if you're breaking down into eras, there's no one even close to LeBron in no. our era. So LeBron, big credit to you, man. And just comparing eras and stuff, I, I think that just the accomplishments of Kareem and, and Michael Jordan will never go away. No. We also have to just respect the greatness that we have standing right in front of us right now. Yeah, I mean... I've been watching basketball since the early 2000s when I was like in elementary school and like LeBron he was like kind of one of those first people I was like oh who's this guy who's this kid and he was just always someone that flashed on my screen he was incredible I mean carried like the Cleveland Cavaliers team with like Mo Williams as like their second best player to the finals they ended up getting swept by the Spurs but then he joined my disrespect Big Z like that oh yeah Big Z Zilgowskis man that's right yeah that bald man we could really ball I almost forgot about him yep um and then he went to Miami obviously the decision he went there and then he ended up winning a couple rings with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and then then he comes back to Cleveland, comes back home. He comes back down 3-1 to one against the Warriors. He wins the championship there. And then now he's with the Lakers. And then obviously the tragic event of Kobe Bryant. Now he brings the championship home to the Lakers. I mean, it's just really remarkable what he's done in his 17-year career. And, you know, he's just playing still at a high level for his age. I believe he's like 35 now. And, you know, we'll see how long. I think he can still be play at a high level for a few more years. I mean, there's just no signs of him uh, slowing down, and he was usually the best player in the series. So LeBron is just, you know, he's incredible, and we'll see, you know, if he can add more to his legacy. Um, Michael Jordan, he still has a couple more reigns and a defensive player of the year. He has another MVP, nine, score, nine more scoring titles and three more league steal leaders. So, you know, MJ definitely has the accomplishments, but I do understand what you mean. I like I like the um, comparing it from like eras perspectives. Like LeBron, I think in our era is definitely the best, and then like Kobe would probably be number two in there. Or if you or, if, or you can honestly, I wouldn't even wouldn't be um, wouldn't mind if you even put Kobe ahead of LeBron if you you know you like Kobe more. But you know, just comparing like that that would be our era. Obviously, I think LeBron would probably be the best player in our era, and then obviously the '90s, it's Jordan. And then you can make an argument for Kareem in, like, the 70s and 80s. I mean, you had a lot of good players, too, with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and players like that. But, I mean, 
the bat, NBA, they've had always had a lot of great players in their league, and you know we're seeing a lot of guys come up now, like Zion. He's like kind of like the big thing, like um, you know Greek freak. He's establishing himself, and there's like a lot of other great players, like Luka Doncic, like guys who are kind of like that next generation of players. Because you know LeBron, as great as he's been, and like how dominant he's been, like he he's not gonna be able to play forever. But you know, I like I said, I feel like that. He's gonna be able to play for a, a, a long, for maybe like a few more seasons, having having this like a wheat play because I mean, he just hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, and and yeah, that's what I think. So, yeah, I I just feel like there's so much negativity in the world nowadays. Yeah, and there's so many people like Skip Bayless that have just been so negative towards mm-hmm. LeBron James, and I feel like you don't always have to take away from one person's accomplishments or one player's or one team's accomplishments to lift up someone else's. Yeah. So kind of just comparing it by eras and just having that kind of um, conversation, you can kind of have like a little favoritism or kind of just look at the overall achievements Mm -hmm. to kind of just make your order if you want when ranking, but just enjoy it while we have it. There's there's some generational athletes like that we have playing in the game right now. Like enjoy Tom Brady these last few years that we have him. Enjoy LeBron these last few years that we have him. Enjoy Mike Trout in baseball while we still have him. So there's just guys like that that you just have to enjoy it while they're there because when we look back in 20, 30 years, those are going to be to a lot of us in our generation, our Jordans, our Gretzky's, our yeah. just great um, people. So it's just awesome. I think that seeing greatness in sports as a Patriots fan, I always respect greatness, whether that be the Spurs dynasty or mm. LeBron or Kobe's dominance. And just I, I think that just seeing that kind of stuff in sports is great. So as much as I wanted the Heat to finish it, and I thought that they could from a basketball perspective, if healthy, the, the injuries definitely um, hurt them. But I, I'm not mad that LeBron won this title. The only no. thing that I'm upset about is that uh, Bronny's probably having a rude welcoming home when oh, LeBron man. gets there. There's been a lot of uh, TikToks and memes about yeah. what's going to happen when LeBron and them go home to, to Bronny Poor after Bronny. that viral video. So yeah. that's, he's probably the only loser in all of this. Yeah, I would say he's the only loser. But, I mean, you know, talking about LeBron a little bit more, like – it's just someone that you I just don't understand why people like root against him I mean just kind of like his upbringing I mean he's just a kid from says it all the time he's a kid from Akron Ohio he never really had a dad and like his mom like you know really like supported him and like did everything that she could to really raise him and then you know he ended up just being this this blue chip high school basketball player one of the greatest high school basketball players maybe of all time and then he goes right to the NBA and then the rest is history so you know shout out to LeBron he's just been very just been really good ever since he's gone to the NBA for 17 years he only had like one major injury uh last year with his groin injury but you know he's just been he's just maintained success throughout these 17 years of his career and he's just been great and just LeBron's just a guy I feel like it's hard to root against him just because of his upbringing just what he's been able to do throughout his career and then you know just like the big influence that he is I mean he's always talking about you know like with like Black Lives Matter and stuff like he's like a big um he's a big uh voice in that you know trying to bring change and like he created his like own school for uh kids and back in Akron for um them to go to college and like he's just the guy that you, get, that you just can't root against I mean he's just incredible one of the most influential athletes that we'll ever have really I think so yeah he's done so much with his platform to kind of just give back to his community and promote different things um, Mm -hmm. with social change and I think that he's just a great role model for all kids and stuff growing up watching the NBA and 
I, I think that just having one of the best players of the era and of all yeah. time just ha- being that kind of role model for everyone else, whether it's the other players around him in the league or all the fans and kids watching um, yeah. at home, I think that is just fantastic. He got in his first ever Wheaties box. Yeah, He's been in the that. league for 17 years. LeBron James had never been on the cover of Wheaties. That's crazy. Fan- it's just crazy. It was kind of like Wheaties knew that he was winning the series because they put it out before uh, the series was over. But yeah. Just the fact that LeBron just continues to just pile up these accolades and do everything like that. LeBron, you might not have everyone's respect, but it shouldn't matter at this point. They can't refute with the numbers and things that you have done. Right. Uh, and we just they definitely commend you here at the Game Plan for it. It's, it's been fantastic to watch your career, and we're excited to see how much longer you can continue to do it. Yeah, like I said, I think he can play for a few more seasons out on the elite level. He hasn't shown signs of slowing down, and you know we'll see what happens next season if he can bring another championship home to the Lakers. That would, if he can go f- uh, five and six in the NBA Finals, that would be huge too. He'd just be only one one ring away from Michael Jordan instead of two. But you know, he's just he's the greatest player. Of Are the era. Lakers the favorites heading into next season before free agency? I think they should be. Um, I do think that they should be the favorites headed into next season. I mean, just, you know, just to see, like, what they've been able to do in these playoffs, I think they can be. Um, you know, the Clippers, they're going to be still around. The Golden State Warriors, I think that's going to be a team that, like, you know, people forget about. Like, I think they're going to be very good, too. With Yeah, talking about best players of the era, people are sleeping on Steph Curry Steph right Curry, now. Steph yeah. Curry has revolutionized the game with the three-point shot. Yep. He totally changed how teams defend and play offensive basketball. Mm-hmm. And he's someone that is one of the best players of our era. Oh, absolutely. He, he's someone that is going to come back with a vengeance. Him and Clay Thompson should be healthy. They have, they're have they going to have a lottery draft pick to add so, to that yeah. team to help with the depth. And I think that they'll be able to get some um, veteran minimum free agents to help, too. So yeah. I, I so. think the Warriors are definitely a sneaky team to come back next year. But... I think the the top three or four favorites in the league are going to all be from the West. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, the Eastern Conference, obviously, there's going to be Milwaukee and then the Celtics. But the Western Conference, as we know, has just been the more dominant conference throughout the years. And, you know, I th- just feel like that the Lakers and the Clippers and even maybe the Denver Nuggets, so how they looked, and then obviously the Warriors, they'll be back. There's just a lot of teams in the Western Conference who are going to be really good. Obviously, the East, Miami's going to be, I think, going to be back again. You have you still have the Celtics. You have still have Milwaukee. So there's still a lot of great teams in the NBA. And, you know, We'll see what ends up happening. I do think that the Lakers, though, they definitely should be favored. Um, just coming off of a championship reign, and you know, I think they'll end up having like the same, pretty much the same core of uh, players that they had. So the Lakers, they're in great shape for next year as well. Yeah, I think as long as they retain the core that they have, I think that they'll be able to be the favorites heading into next season, especially. Having LeBron and AD, just two top five, six players in, in the league right now, Yeah, just having that kind of firepower is going to usually put you at the top of uh, power rankings. And I think that they've earned all the respect that they need. Absolutely. They, they were one of the favorites heading into the season, and they delivered. They didn't choke like the Clippers did. They didn't disappoint like Giannis did. Mm-hmm. I think that they really just cemented themselves as one of the elite organizations in the NBA. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to see NBA basketball next year, especially with this incoming rookie class. Yeah. Um, added to all these young stars and savvy vets that we're getting back. 
Yeah, I'm excited, and hopefully they'll be able to play in arenas and not the bubble. I mean, I love the bubble, but you know, we definitely want to see these these teams go back into arenas, even if you don't have that many fans in there. So I'm definitely excited for the NBA season coming up next year as well. Yeah, I think the NFL is setting them up, but the thing with the NBA, having such small rosters and coaching staffs and training staffs compared to an NFL or MLB team, it's been easier for them to not have to rely on doing it with the actual stadiums and having that bubble thing, but having a bubble for the whole 82-game season plus the playoffs, that might be a little excessive for yeah. most players. So I'm gonna, it'll probably be like an experiment kind of thing as mm-hmm. we continue to just go with the flow in 2020 and beyond um, with all these different restrictions and yeah. how we have to play things so everyone can stay safe and healthy and I think that the NBA kind of just set the gold standard in terms of their bubble and how successful it was. There was only one player, I think, that broke the rules and there was Will no Williams. real outbreaks <laughs> and stuff. So yeah. I think that they did a really good job and they kind of gave the uh, the blueprint for other leagues to follow and for the NBA if they need to shut things down. Yeah. They can do it in a bubble restricted place um, versus kind of putting the players at risk traveling on the road and to all these different cities and stuff. So it'll definitely be interesting to update that. I think with like free agency, it'll just kind of just be interesting to see because with the NFL, it's been hard for some teams to have workouts with players um, and stuff because of COVID restrictions. I think that you're looking at a NBA free agency class that isn't, um, isn't like full of big superstars that are groundbreaking, but I think that there's definitely players that are going to be coveted by yeah. different teams so uh, i'm pretty excited for what we got going on here there's some yeah. guys like kyle lowry and blake griffin so chris paul is going to be big um lebron and Kawhi have opt-outs but i believe that they'll both be back they'll be back yeah and uh hopefully gordon hayward opts out from the Celtics. <laughs> so i love your comeback story gordon but you're, you're hurting our team with a 31 million dollar it's a lot of money um, man thing but i don't blame you for wanting to opt into 31 million dollars so yeah i get that it'll be tough I, i'm interested to see if demar Derozan is able to go to a contender I, I don't know if the spurs with them missing the playoffs for the first time in a long time are too um eager to sign him back and I think that he's been one of the most underrated players in the league for a long time yeah. he's very good and I think that he could really be a difference making piece on a team um, going forward so yeah. he, he's one of the uh, pieces I'm a little more excited about um, but I, I think it'll be pretty fun going forward just looking at the people people that are available and doing what they need to do so yeah i, I think that the uh we'll cover some nba free agency as as stuff develops yeah, probably as in stuff the spring comes, yeah. but mm-hmm. i think that the nba is in good shape right now so we're absolutely gonna see how that goes and congratulations again to lebron and the lakers absolutely. and the, the bus family um and uh, the NBA season was one ride that we all enjoyed going on. Yeah, it was it was a really fun series, even with the bubble and everything happening. It was the longest NBA season we've ever had, but there was just a lot of great moments from the NBA season, despite all of, all of the you know them having the pause this season and everything like that. It was just really fun. And again, congratulations to the Lakers, 17th championship. Hopefully, the Celtics can uh, break the tie next year and get 18. Um, but you know. Congratulations to the Lakers, LeBron, everybody else on that team. Congratulations for winning the NBA championship in this COVID season. So 
Congratulations. Yeah, Bill Russell gave us a big lead, and now LeBron has turned into a real race. Yeah, it's so a race now. It'll be exciting. Lakers-Celtics, one of the older rivalries in basketball. I think that this will rejuvenate it as Jason Tatum continues to come into his prime with yeah. the Celtics, and LeBron continues to be dominant with Anthony Davis by his side. So a lot of stuff to look forward to with that, but... That's all we have for NBA. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with NFL football after. Welcome back to The Game Plan with Dom and Brandon on On 91.5 WMLN. Welcome back to The Game Plan, and now we're going to get into some week five of the NFL season, and... We're going to start off with our Thursday night game. It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they went up against the Chicago Bears. Um, Both teams, I believe, only have one loss coming into this game, and the Bears then ended up winning 20-19. Nick Foles is 2-0 now against Tom Brady. Yeah, we don't bring up the first one, uh, the Philly special. uh, Yeah, don't bring that one up. Nick Foles, man, he just made enough plays to win the game, but I have to come at Tom Brady for a sec because Uh – Tom Brady was uncharacteristically all night locking on to his first read. Yeah. And he wasn't looking off it. I love Scotty Miller, as we know mm-hmm. on this show. And yep. I said that if you needed to flex him, that you could. Yep. Did I realize that he was going to be running around and getting not targeted? No. Zero targets. Got zero targets during the game because Brady continually would lock on to the first target. Usually it was Mike Evans. Occasionally it was the tight end. Yep. And uh, he would just keep slinging it. And he wasn't very efficient. The defense caught on to it real fast. That Bears defense is not a defense that you can do that against. Nope. And Tom Brady just didn't look great. There was drives that they couldn't sustain. The offensive line wasn't giving him enough time for him to hit that first read. He was waiting for it to get open. Um, Yeah. And it was just an ugly loss for the Bucs. I thought on a short week that Brady's preparation would give the Bucs the edge in this game. And mm-hmm. most people did bet the um, Bucs to win this game, especially how the Bears looked yeah. in week four against Indianapolis. But... The Bears only had to score 20 points to win this game, and that, that that's something that hopefully you won't see from the Bucks going forward. But I don't think you will. I mean, just watching the game, I think, like you said, like Tom Brady locked onto his first read. He just didn't look in like sync. And the offense, they had a lot of penalties in. I think they had like four penalties in like like back to back to back to back, and that like caused them to go off the field. And then you saw on the sideline, like Tom Brady, like he was legitimately like upset and chewing out his teammates. They're top three him. in the league in penalties. Yeah, I know. and penalties are a very bad way to lose games. So yeah, I think that he's so used to the structure of coaching in New England, yeah. where they're one of the least penalized teams every single year. So yep. to have all these penalties, to have the injuries, there's no Leonard Fournette, no Chris Godwin, no OJ Howard on that offense for him. And just it was tough for them to do it. I think the Bucks it do was, have yeah. two very good corners and a very solid defense, and I, I think that they've been carrying them so far. And they held the Bears to 20 points. Yeah, but I the mean, fact that the Bucks yeah. weren't able to capitalize and get the win there was just not good for them. I'm sure a lot of people, including us, got that game wrong picking the Bucks last week. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, nobody really gave. I don't think the Bears too much of a chance. But you know, kind of like to start the game, like Nick Foles, he like missed like a throw to like Allen Robinson. And everyone's like, oh no, here we go. Like he missed like a, a wide open throw and like the flat route he was running, like an out route, missed him. And then like Foles, he's kind of started to get things going a little bit. And he, you know, he hit Jimmy Graham. But Jimmy Graham, I don't know where that came from, that catch, but kind of like turned back the clock a little bit and caught like a one-handed touchdown pass from Foles. And then, you know, Foles was finding – he was finding Allen Robinson, which uh, 
hashtag free Allen Robinson. You got to get this man a good quarterback. Hey, Allen Robinson, <laughs> man, he's continually just balled out with a poor quarterback play in college, year after year yeah. in college in the NFL, just, and oh. he's just elite. He's super fun to watch. He's someone that you're going to start every week, no matter the quarterback Absolutely. situation. I think the only other um, consistent start you can get on this Bears offense is Dave Montgomery, yeah. with. Um, Tariq Cohen out for the season. He's been used heavier in the passing game, and he's getting such volume from the targets. running back touches and snaps. Yeah. He's just someone that you're gonna have to roll out as an RB two flex most weeks, and mm-hmm. he he has to fall in the end zone for you to get like a really good week. But the floor is just there. Yeah, absolutely. I think with you know David Montgomery, like you said, no Tariq Cohen. He had eight targets this past week, seven catches, 30 yards. So, obviously, it's going to be somebody that's like kind of like that dump-off, check-down like type of player. He's going to fill in that role nicely. And, yeah, like David David Montgomery is definitely a guy that you can start, you know, most weeks. And if you need, like, a flex, have him in there. If you have an R- running back injury and you kind of have him on the roster, you can start him. But, yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson, like, he's, you know, he had 16 targets. Like, Nick Foles was, like, almost exclusively going to him. And, you know, you would think that he would have, like, a – like a monster game, but the only, I mean, 10 catches for 90 yards isn't, isn't a lot. Like he kind of like found him like the kind of like, um, short, uh, area throws and kind of like short intermediate passes. He really wasn't like taking too many shots to him deep, but you know, like Allen Robinson, like, like we mentioned, like he's somebody that's just always been playing with bad quarterbacks. He had Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg in college. And then, you know, he had Blake Bortles and Chad Henney, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So, you know, Allen Robinson, he's just been able to produce with all these like really like not very good quarterbacks. And he's hey, just a guy uh, who's n- been very Nick good. Foles is a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Miss Trubisky is a number two overall pick. Blake Bortles is a number three or four. All overall right, but pick. I mean, they're not like. And Matt McGloin is a former XFL star. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's below average quarterbacks. It's below average quarterbacks, <laughs> but I so, mean, if you look at it like that way, then maybe. So, but. like, those guys, like, they're still NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. So, like, all those guys ended up getting shots in the NFL. Like, they're, they're not bad um, players, but they're definitely not good enough good for Allen Robinson Alan to Robinson. reach his full potential. Yeah. Um, on the Bears side, Darnell Mooney is a rookie with 4-3 speed, mm-hmm. and Nick Foles missed him a couple times. Oh, I know. He's someone that in a deeper league or a dynasty league, I think the stock's slowly going up Starting for him. I up, think yeah. that he's someone that's interesting. I don't know how much value he's going to have as the number two or three uh, receiving option in this offense, but I think that he's someone to keep an eye on in the future yeah. weeks. I think that he might end up having some um, boom weeks at yeah, some point he looks with good. that speed. Yeah, I think he looks good. Um yeah, like you mentioned, Nick Foles missed him on a deep shot, but Darnell Mooney's kind of been a guy who's been kind of like on the field a little bit more than Anthony Miller, which really surprised me. And, you know, I started Darnell Moody in, uh, in our Dynasty League this week against you, and he only caught a couple of passes, but would have helped if, if Nick Foles could have hit him there on that deep throw. But, yeah, I mean, he's someone that definitely for Dynasty League purposes, like he could end up becoming something. If the Bears end up getting a new quarterback, maybe through the draft or whenever, like it's going to really help these uh, Bears pass catching options. But I mean, looking more at the Bears, uh, Khalil Mack, he looked great, of course. He's hip tossing a uh, 320 pound offensive lineman, Tristan Wirfs, like yeah, a Khalil WWE Mack looks move. Healthy man, yeah, it, it looks that, good. That's man. good for the Bears. Yeah. I think the Bears were probably feeling pretty good. Four yeah. and one to start the season. I think that most Bears fans weren't expecting that. Yeah. Uh, so the Bears, man. They're, I, I think they're a pretender. I think that they're a, a soft 4-1. I but think so, too. With some of these players that they have, like Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson, that can make these game-changing plays, they're going to be in 
more games than they're not, I think. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, they're going to be in some games. I mean, they've they've had some pretty impressive wins. Obviously, this one against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is very, uh, very impressive, so we'll see if they can keep it up. But, I mean, yeah, I feel like the Bears, they're not a team where they're going to be this, you know, uh, intimidating team. They're kind of uh, their offense is kind of inconsistent. They only scored 20 points in this game. Their defense played pretty good in this game, but you know you're kind of going to need your offense to step up too. And you know, hopefully for the Bears' sake, they can. But um, you know, overall this game, it was kind of a sloppy game. I feel like all around. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, we haven't mentioned this yet, but he low key forgot the down and and when they was going on that game when it drive, he put up a four thinking it was fourth down and everyone was clowning him on Twitter. But I mean, whatever. I mean, Tom Brady has a great Twitter game though. Cause when LeBron won the championship, he Photoshopped LeBron's yep. face on him and said something about, Hey, um, yeah. Got like old guys washed up winning rings and stuff. Yeah. Make and, it into a joke. I mean, yeah, um, at least he had fun with it. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Jones mm. without Leonard Fournette has been the unquestioned workhorse in this offense. And Pretty he's good. went over the century mark two straight weeks. Yep. He's someone that if Leonard Fournette is going to miss again, which I think he will because it's looking like he has a high ankle sprain. Um, I think Ronald Jones is a must start until Leonard Fournette comes back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this the, this offense is going to get better because they're going to get their weapons back. Like, you know, when Chris Godwin comes back, it's going to help, you know, Ronald Jones out because then the defense is going to have to worry about somebody else. Like, he looked good. He had a 37-yard run that he looked, he looked pretty good on. I mean, Ronald Jones – until, you know, whenever Leonard Fournette comes back, I mean, he's going to be someone, you know, if he's starting, if he's the Bucks unquestioned workhorse running back, like, he's going to be the guy. He was the only one on the team that had, like, any carries, except for Tom Brady. He had three carries, but, um, you know, he was the only running back that really got a lot of work, and he kind of capitalized on it. He had, like you said, uh, went over the uh, century mark again in this game against a pretty stout uh, Bears defense, and yeah, absolutely. I think he can just be somebody who you can start every single week because of the offense that he's in. He's going to get his opportunities, and I think this game, they just kind of didn't really look too great. I mean, a lot of penalties, like we mentioned, they kind of weren't really in sync, and yeah, I think it was just like a down week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers overall. Their offensive line's been very good throughout the season, um, and you know, maybe this game, they weren't weren't playing their best but I mean they were they were creating some pretty good holes for Ronald Jones to run through he had 100 yards so I think you definitely Ronald Jones especially if Leonard Fournette is out you can start him every single week no matter the matchup so yeah moving on to the th- the Sunday slate one o'clock yep Texans get their first one of the season they do 30 to 14 in a game that was not as close as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, Watson was unleashed on a terrible banged up Jags defense that was missing two out of their top three corners. Yep, their Pro Bowl linebacker in Miles Jack mm-hmm. and their best pass rusher in Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. If I knew that going into Sunday, I don't know if I would have picked the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, uh, but the Jaguars just couldn't keep up. They did some ugly wildcat play with James Robinson. Oh my where he god, fumbled, they fumbled the, ball. the ball. That was really bad. And it looked like they had never ran that in practice before. Yeah, um, and the Texans kind of just were unleashed. Like Deshaun Watson uh, was connecting with Brandon Cooks, Darren Fells, and Will Fuller all day on this defense. Yeah. And uh, Deshaun Watson got a much needed win to not go 0 5 to start the season. Yeah, a much needed win. I mean, he looked great. He had a couple of interceptions, but I mean, he just kind of lit up the Jaguars' defense. And I think everyone expected that, obviously, with the Jaguars' injuries. You mentioned he had 359 passing yards, he had three touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, I think last week, I don't even think he had a catch. I, I, I could be mistaken, but he just, you know, had a huge monster game. He had 12 targets, eight catches, 
161 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Will Fuller, another week where he had a touchdown. Darren Fells caught a 44-yard touchdown. And the Texans overall, they just look great. The offense looked good. Uh, David Johnson, I mean, he almost had 100 yards rushing, so that's when you know the offense is looking pretty good. But, um, yeah, this was a much-needed victory for the Texans to not go 0-5. Uh, Romeo Cornell, he, now, he is now the oldest head coach to ever win a game in the NFL hist- in NFL history, so congratulations to him. But for the Jaguars' side, obviously they were banged up. They lost uh, they lost DJ Chark in this game to an ankle injury, so we'll have to monitor that. Um, and you know the Jaguars, they had some they have some bright spots on their team coming in that from this game. Uh, James Robinson, he didn't have a great game, but again. He had the pass catching work. He had seven targets, five catches. Um, you know, with DJ Chark going down, well, Visca Chanel, I think he looks pretty. He looks great. I think he had eight targets, seven catches, seventy nine yards. So there's some guys you can you can definitely start um, on this team. Minshew, he had three hundred yards and two touchdowns. So the, 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 overall, I just think that Jacksonville right now, I mean, they're banged up, but I don't think they're a team that really nobody really thought they was going to compete anyways. But the Texans, much needed victory for them um, to avoid going 0 and 5, and they're officially 1 and 0 um, in the post Bill O'Brien era. So, congratulations to the Texans for winning this game. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that just without Bill O'Brien against the Jaguars team, that like they were going to win, but yeah. I just didn't see it at first. But I'm not shocked that they won. I'm happy for Deshaun Watson. Yep, uh, to have that thing. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind selling your Texans. Mm. Because are not going to get to play the Jaguars every week. Well, we say Wolf 4 every single week. so Yes, yeah, so I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind selling your Texans if you can get value and everyone is just like, oh, Bill O'Brien's gone. They're going to be elite. Yep. Um, if you can get uh, like very good value back for them, I wouldn't mind it because I still think that they're going to be a bottom half offense. Watson does still sling the ball and turn the ball over a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something where I would possibly sell. The Jaguars, they're kind of like just match up dependent um yeah you're gonna start james robinson most weeks but every, everyone else is kind of just if they have a matchup where they're gonna throw a lot you can start like the minchus the charks laviscas etc but yep yeah i agree that's about it with them yeah moving on ravens 27 Bengals three mm. and uh the ravens just continue to dominate lesser teams um yeah it, it just doesn't it seems like any team that just doesn't match up with them they run them over Oh, yeah. That's what the Ravens did here. Yeah, their defense was just incredible. I mean, they held the Bengals' offense as a whole to only 205 total yards of offense. Uh, Joe Burrow, he couldn't really get anything going in this game. He only had 183 yards and an interception. Um, There's there's better days ahead for Burrow, but he needs an offensive line ASAP, and it's hard to kind of get one at week five, week six of the NFL season. So he's going to have some rough matchups playing the Ravens and the Steelers twice a year this year. Yeah, um, and Joe Mixon, well, we only had 59 rushing yards, but they gave him the ball 24 times. But he had a career high in targets. So, you know, Giovanni Bernard, even when they were down by a lot of points, he wasn't in the game. It was Joe Mixon. That's definitely encouraging to see that, they were keeping him in the game rather than having Geo in the game when they're down by a lot of points to try to come back. So, very nice to see that. But, you know, the Bengals in this game, they just kind of couldn't get really anything going. AJ Green, he re aggravated a hamstring injury. And before he did, he like the interception that Burrow threw, to, I think, to Marcus Peters. Like, you see the clip. AJ Green put no effort into like trying to make like a play on that at all. And you kind of have to think of like, is I saw another report. I think that he like might have like mouth like just trade me or something like that. Um, so I don't know if his head's in the right space to like want to play for this team. But it's definitely alarming um, for AJ Green. But another 
another hamstring injury. He re-aggravated it. It's just been a really down year for A.J. Green. And, you know, he missed last season, obviously, um, too. And it's just not been very good. Maybe he needs a change of scenery, but, I mean, you know, another hamstring injury definitely doesn't help there at all. Yeah, A.J. Green's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. He's, he's been very banged up. He had an excellent start to his career going yep. over the 1,000-yard mark yeah. every <clears> single <throat> season. But he's really battled with injuries and not been the same player the last couple seasons. Um, yeah. So it's kind of worrisome. I think with his contract, it's going to be very hard for them to find a trade partner. Yeah. Um, but I think that A.J. Green is someone who could possibly not come back all the way, but come back more than he has this season. Yeah. Um, with a different change of scenery, it seems like they're kind of moving towards the future with Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Um, and he's kind of competing with Drew Sample and some of these backup receivers for the leftover targets. Um, this is why we told you not to sell Joe Mixon in Dynasty, though. I said in redraft, you probably should because he has two games with the Ravens coming up, two games with the Steelers coming yeah, up. That's tough. We got those teams. And in those kind of matchups, they're going to have to throw the ball more. But mm-hmm. in Dynasty, there's better days ahead because I think that this whole offense will continue to improve as Joe Burrow learns how to read defenses and gets better. Yep. I think that they've the passing game usage has just been so great to see, especially Absolutely. for someone with the skill set like Joe Mixon to take advantage of it. And yep. it's really helped his fantasy floor. Yep. So he's not killing most weeks now because um, he gets the receiving work. Yep. So I think he's a fantastic guy where maybe if the guy um, held on to him after the monster week and was disappointed this week with like the point total mm-hmm. being going from 40 to 12 and you can buy him low, buy him well, I would yeah. do it. But I don't think you will be able to buy Joe Mixon now in Dynasty because no. he's getting the target volume that everyone's always wanted to see. Yeah, in Dynasty especially. I mean, the team's going to get better. I think that they'll uh, hopefully they'll end up improving their offensive line a little bit more. And he talked about Joe Burrow. He's going to become more acclimated to the game and become a better quarterback. So, and Joe and Joe Mixon's now under a a pretty good contract, pretty lengthy contract there. So, uh, definitely in dynasty, he's going to be somebody that you can hold on to for a while as the Bengals' offense continues to improve. Um, and you know, talking about the Ravens offensively, I didn't really like. I wasn't like too impressed by them on offense. Like they really like weren't. Um, like Lamar Jackson, like he only had 180 yards passing. They really didn't run the ball as much as I thought they were going to, which is kind of surprising. They couldn't really run the ball too effectively. Like, I mean, Devin DuVernay, he had a 42-yard run, and J.K. Dobbins, his only carry was a 34-yard run. But, you know, Mark Ingram only had 57 rushing yards. Lamar only carried the ball twice. And I think that might have been just kind of contributed to his uh, knee injury that he was dealing with through in practice, so maybe he didn't want to run as much. But it wasn't, like, too, too impressive. Obviously, Mark Andrews, he did his thing. Uh, Hollywood Brown, he had a 30-yard catch. So, I don't know. I just thought that they – didn't look very sharp, but I feel like it was more so their defense. Patrick Queen, I feel like, has just been incredible. Um, then, especially in this game, he had a sack, he had nine tackles, he had two, he had a, he had a forced fumble, he had two fumble recoveries, and he took one back to the house. So, you know, Patrick Queen, he looks great. I think this was just more of like a defensive game for the Ravens. They pretty much held the Bengals in check the entire game. They had they 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 were pretty much giving them a shout out, um, a shout, um, shout out until. The Bengals, I think, kicked like a field goal with like a minute or something left in the game. So this it was just more so of a Ravens defensive game. But, you know, I think the offense is going to improve a little bit more. I just think this was kind of a down week for their offense, but their defense definitely stepped it up big time in this game. Yeah, I was going to say, we're almost a, we're basically a third of the way through the season. Yep. Lamar Jackson was drafted as the unquestioned quarterback one, quarterback two in fantasy. He was mm-hmm. the second, third round pick in most leagues. Yep. He so far in fantasy, he is still the quarterback eleven, yeah. despite it seeming really disappointing. 
But for the draft capital that you gave up for him, quarterback eleven is not great. No, not at all. I mean, so yeah. are you worried about the like the knee? Clearly, I think they're being careful with it. He hasn't been practicing as much during the week. He hasn't been running as much during the games. I think that they're being very cautious with the knee. If they're being cautious with Lamar Jackson in a low passing volume offense, how worried are you for the Ravens for fantasy? Because I think that they're going to still win games being a complete team, but for fantasy purposes. If they're being cautious with Lamar, I mean, they were cautious with him this week, and I think, you know, Mark Andrews, he's somebody I feel like you can definitely start every single week. It doesn't really matter. I mean, he's been able to just find himself in the end zone and have a really solid tight end week, so I would be okay with him. Uh, The running backs, really, for the Ravens haven't really done too much for me um, at all here, and, you know, Hollywood Brown, he had a nice game. He had 10 targets. He had 77 receiving yards, but he's just someone who you definitely, you know, Maybe in certain weeks you could start because he's kind of like a boomer bust player. But I would be a little bit worried. I don't think the knee injury is something that's like going to be too serious. I mean, it definitely it definitely hurts that he only ran the ball twice and had three rushing yards. I believe I saw a stat where he he's had like 45 rushing yards plus in like his last, I think, maybe um, – like 16 something games or something. I think dating back to like week one of like last season when they went up against Miami, he didn't even run the ball at all. But so it was, it was definitely kind of weird. And yeah, like you mentioned, like he's the quarterback 11 and like you invested a very high pick into him, you know, to like kind of repeat his success from last season. He's only been the quarterback 11. So it really hasn't, um, it hasn't really paid off for you. I mean, I don't know if, a Lamar Jackson owner in redraft is kind of feeling, you know, certain type of way. Maybe if you need a quarterback, if you want to maybe like upgrade, maybe you're a Dak Prescott owner or something, you kind of want to upgrade your quarterback position. Maybe that person could potentially be buying low. I don't, I mean, or potentially like be worried about Lamar and you can buy low on him. I'm not too sure, but yeah, I mean, the Ravens offense, I don't think has been playing very well. I mean, you look back at the Monday night game against Kansas city, they weren't getting anything going here at all. And then obviously this game, they looked you know, they the score looks good, but I feel like the offense just didn't look great. It was more so of a defensive game. So I would be a little bit worried, like, when they go up against some more tougher teams, like when they have to go up against the Steelers, for example, like, well, I don't know how they're going to be able to play in that game. And, you know, they didn't look great against the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll have to see what ends up happening with the Ravens. But I would be a little bit worried for sure. Speaking of worry no more, Falcons fans are free. Panthers 23, Falcons 16, Dan Quinn's last game as the Falcons head coach. He is gone. man. Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris was somehow named the interim (laughs) head coach over offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter, Mm -hmm. who has head coaching experience in the NFC South for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the fact that he wasn't given the nod to me was a little puzzling. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Falcons have clearly shown they don't know how to run their franchise. General Manager Dimitrov has also been relieved of his duties. The Falcons are going into a total rebuild, and I think Matty Ice might be part of that because Matt Ryan is Matty no dice when he has no Julio Jones. Yeah, Without Julio Jones on the field, Matt Ryan does not look like the same quarterback. Calvin Ridley had a fantastic game, like uh, 10 targets, I think 8 receptions for 136 yards. He had a fantastic game, but Matt Ryan looked terrible. Yeah, Matt Ryan's just not been very good, and I think a lot of people headed into the season, especially for fantasy, were expecting big numbers because of how many times that this Falcons offense was going to throw the ball and they have these weapons with obviously it doesn't help not having Julio Jones and you kind of seeing it like you said he has been really 
you know, been very a very effective quarterback without his top stud out there. But you know, it's he's just not been playing very well. Um, but Calvin Ridley, he had a great game. Uh, he, you know, had a nice bounce back game because he had a goose egg against the Packers on Monday Night Football. But nice bounce back game for him. But yeah, Matt Ryan, he's just not been very effective whatsoever. Um, in these past few games, and his best game was his, his was that week one game against Seattle. And you're like, okay, this Atlanta's offense is going to be explosive through the air, and they really haven't been. And I think, like you said, just not having Julio Jones kind of just like doesn't help them too much. And you know, I mean, uh, Todd Gurley he had a game where he had a pretty good game. Yeah, Matt Ryan's been so bad that they have to lean on Todd Gurley. And yeah, I don't know how long they're going to be able to do that. Because right. Todd Gurley's knee has always scared me. Yep. He's someone that he made some explosive plays. He had over 120 yards in this game. Yep. He was fantastic. But the thing is, like, that was against the Panthers' young defense. Yep. But for Panthers fans, I'd feel really good right now. I feel Teddy Bridgewater yeah. is looking very comfortable in this Joe Brady offense. And they're finally great. starting to click. DJ Moore finally got going this week. He had been um, kind of out of it. He had one of the easiest touchdowns you'll ever see. Just ran straight up the sideline yep, untouched. That speed. Um, Robbie Anderson has been a fantasy gem if you picked him late in your drafts or picked Absolutely, him up after man. week one. And Mike Davis has been a sensation since getting picked up since the McCaffrey injury. He's yeah. been the RB9 um, in fantasy so far. So, And he didn't start the first two games, and he's been a top 10 running back. So. That's been fantastic. This Panthers offense is going to be good for years to come, and I'm just excited to see this rebuild because I think Teddy yeah. Bridgewater is the perfect bridge quarterback for this situation yes. where they can build up the offensive line and the defense because DJ Moore's so young, Robbie Anderson's on a three-year contract, and then they can bring in a rookie quarterback in 2021 or 2022, 2023, one of these years that they like a quarterback yeah, and they yeah. have the draft capital, mm-hmm. and then they can just bring him into an already kind of put-together situation. Yeah. When they signed Matt Rule and Joe Brady to seven-year contracts, they weren't expecting to turn around a season and go all in. They were expecting to build up through with the coaches and have that continuity and build the system and culture that they want in Carolina, and it's looking good so far. Yeah, Carolina, I think the rebuild's going very well. They started off 0-2 for the season, but they've rattled off three straight victories. And, you know, like talking about Teddy Bridgewater, he's been great. He's had more passing yards than Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady this year. Higher completion percentage than Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Higher pass rating than Lamar Jackson. And more yards per attempt than Patrick Mahomes. That's how good Teddy Bridgewater has been this season, and like nobody's talking about that. He's been very good under this Matt Rule, Joe Brady system. And, you know, mention Mike Davis. He's been fantastic. He's filled in greatly for Christian McCaffrey ever since he's come aboard. Robbie Anderson's looking, you know, fantastic in this offense, like you mentioned. DJ Moore had a nice game. And the Panthers, you know, they're a young team. You have a young head coach. I think they know the direction they're going to. They're going to, like you mentioned, you know, have – uh, Teddy Bridgewater being that like perfect bridge quarterback they're going to get a quarterback eventually to replace him but you know you could spend that time to, like you said to just build up the offensive line or build up the defense they have a lot of rookies on the defense but you know they're just they're rebuild they know the direction they're going in and for them to be three and two right now kind of like in the in the you know race for the division too surprisingly like you're just going to be really excited if you're a Panthers fan I feel like they're going in the right direction they have the right people um the right like the right coaches and the right people in the front office to really like guide them into that uh, next you know this new generation for the Panthers because obviously they had Cam Newton Luke Keekley like all these guys and now they're moving into this new um era for them and you know they've just been looking pretty good three and two and 
the direction that they're going in is very good. You know, I think they're going up while the Falcons are going down right now. So, you know, I think that the Panthers right now are in a uh, very good position. They look to be in good shape. So, yeah, they're probably not going to be able to compete in the NFC this year. Yeah. Uh, but I think that they'll be respectable and be a tough out for teams. And yep. I think that Robbie Anderson escaping Adam Gase, yet another player to have success, is just <laughs> another uh, nail in the coffin for the uh, Jets coach who is expected to after follow up Dan Quinn and Bill O'Brien as possibly the next head coach to go this season. Yep. Um, but that's all we have from that game. Raiders mm. upset the undefeated Chiefs 40-32. to And, man, the Chiefs hadn't lost since November 10th of last season against the Tennessee Titans in Week 11. That's insane. And the Raiders hadn't won an Arrowhead since 2012. 2012, yep. So the combination of both those things, Patrick Mahomes being undefeated against the Raiders in his career, John Gruden hadn't beat the Chiefs since he came back into the league coaching-wise. Yep. And the fact that everything just came together, the we talked about when the uh, Chargers forced overtime with the Chiefs um, back in week three that they showed the formula to the entire league of how to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yep. And it's making him uncomfortable to pass rush. It's running the ball effectively. And it's just playing good with the passing game, like making the throws that you need to make and keeping them off the field. Yeah, and they were able to do that. You know, um, The Raiders kind of like dominated time of possession in this game. Um, they had the ball for 11 more minutes, 11 minutes more than the Chiefs had, and they just played a great game. Derek Carr is playing some of his like best football of his career. Um, you know, he's kind of like ever since he like got injured back in 2016, he had that leg injury. He hadn't really looked great, but you know, I think that this was like a year coming into it where people were kind of like skeptical, skeptical of Derek Carr, saying like, is he going to be someone who is going to be the quarterback of the future for this team? But He's been very good. 11 touchdowns, only one interception, and that came in this last game. And he leads the NFL in completion percentage with a 73.1% completion percentage. Derek Carr is playing some very good football. He had 347 passing yards in this game, three touchdowns. Looks great. Uh, he was hitting, you know, Henry Ruggs. He came back in this game, and he caught a 72-yard touchdown. He mossed another guy. He had two catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. He was hitting Darren Waller, hit Hunter Renfro for a 42-yard gain, hit Nelson Aguilar for a 59-yard touchdown. Derek Carr's playing very well. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he was uh, his yards per carry wasn't really great. I mean, he had 23 carries for 77 yards, but he got in the end zone twice. He enforces um, his will at the end of that game. Yes. He was really dominating on the ground on those last couple of drives to yep. really ice the game. Yeah. And it was just so big. Derek Carr was the number one quarterback in fantasy Incredible. so far this week, barring mm-hmm. if Josh Allen or Ryan Tannehill goes off tonight. Yep. And I think that Derek Carr, he's just really hungry. He had he is, his... Um, he hadn't won an Arrowhead in his career. This is his first time winning at Arrowhead. And the fact that he was able to do it in this fashion, he was able to show off his weapons and do what he had to do, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Because yeah. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs didn't look great, but no. they still hung 32 points up. Patrick Mahomes made some plays that only Patrick Mahomes can make. The throw he made to, to Travis Kelsey, I, I don't know how he does it. It's it's just it's unheard of. But across his body, incredible, uh, like sidearm loop throw, incredible. This made no sense. It was a baseball throw with a football. Yes, right? yep. and the fact that he can do that kind of thing is just unbelievable. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I wouldn't be too worried. Um, I think that they just need to start 
figuring out how to um, sustain drives more on the ground with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, yeah. to kind of help the time of possession battle because they score so quick sometimes that it's to their fault. Yep. And I think that they're starting to see that with these games that are closer than they need to be. And I think that the Raiders and Chargers showed the Ravens and all these other teams in the NFL that have failed to do so the formula needed to compete with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And I think that both of these teams are going to be competitive this year. The Chiefs are still one of the class teams in the AFC, and I think that the Raiders are going to be in the wild card hunt until the end of the year. I agree with you, yeah. I mean, like you said, like the Raiders, they're a team, like the Chargers, kind of showed that blueprint of kind of how to beat them. you got to pressure Patrick Mahomes. you got to make him run and throw the ball away, not really, you know, getting the, the open guy there and stuff. But, yeah. The Raiders, they one of their most impressive wins they've had in quite a while. Derek Carr looked great, like we mentioned, and the Raiders that was a huge win for them. They moved to three and two now, and I think, like you said, they'll be a team that'll be competing for a wild card spot later in the season. Yeah, moving on to the Cardinals and the Jets. Oh my God, it was such a shootout, thirty to ten Cardinals 30 to 10. win. Um, so in. Joe Flacco's defense. Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco didn't look bad at all. He actually looked better in this game than he had all of last year starting for Denver. They look solid, man. However, he wasn't able to sustain longer drives that were mm -hmm. scoring touchdowns, and he wasn't able to keep up with Kyler Murray in the, in the Cardinals. And that's kind of why we all picked the Cardinals to win this game. Um, no one on that team could cover DeAndre Hopkins. He had a great day. He's by far one of the top receivers in all of football and in fantasy. Yeah. And with this target volume that he's getting with Kyler Murray, he was fantastic. Christian Kirk looks healthy. He mm -hmm. had a great game. He was dicing up the DBs for the Jets and yep. getting open and making plays. Um, and they have two running backs that are both going to be borderline flex plays. Uh, Chase Edmonds looked really good, and Kyler Murray was able to take advantage of a bad defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Cardinals, this was their get-right game. They had they took the L last week, and you know Kyle Murray, he had 380 passing yards. He hit DeAndre Hopkins, I believe their second-to-last drive. He hit DeAndre Hopkins on a 45-yard catch and then a 37-yard touchdown. So on that drive alone, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins really like did a lot of damage there. And the Cardinals, they were just they looked good really throughout this entire game. I mean, Joe Flacco, he looks solid, but there's not too much to work with, really, except for Jamison Crowder, who once again had a great game, 8 for 116 and 1. Um, Le'Veon Bell came back in this game, but he was uh, liking some tweets on Twitter, which uh, was uh, there were tweets about him not being involved in the passing game. And, I mean, he only had one target, for one catch for seven yards. So you would want to see him get involved more in the passing game. But it's Adam Gase, so of course not. So Yeah, there's reports that the Jets are actively shopping running back Le'Veon Bell, actually. I don't know if a team's going to be able to get – But the thing is, no one's going to no want gonna that want contract. Yeah. Um, the fact that Le'Veon Bell is talented. Um, I, he looked healthy from the little bit we saw from him. But he's kind of just in a dead space where he's on a team that's not winning and that's not giving him workhorse carries that he needs and to he's kind really of like on effective. That, yeah, and he's kind of like on that Ron age. I mean, he's kind of like approaching 30 years old. So his day, his best days are definitely behind him. Um, and, yeah, I don't think a team's going to be wanting to, you know, give up any, like, you know, draft picks or anything to get way beyond Bell at this point, unfortunately. So he's going to have to stick around with the Jets for as long as he can. And he'll have to stick around with your fantasy teams because it's going to be yeah. really hard for you to trade Le'Veon Bell as well. But he's not someone you can cut just because he is oh, no. still Le'Veon Bell. He can still have those flex-worthy RB2 games. It's just yeah. going to be not as consistent as we would hope. Yeah, and, you know, the Cardinals won this game, but they had an unfortunate, unfortunate injury on their defense. Chandler Jones 
Seems like he's going to be out for the rest of the season with a biceps injury that he suffered in this game. So it's a huge loss for them. And that's why the Cardinals aren't really a serious contender to me is because that defense and offensive line just aren't good enough for them to really compete in the toughest division, arguably, in all of football. Yeah, so. and, you know, they they drafted Isaiah Simmons in the top 10 in the NFL draft, and he's barely getting on the field. Like, this past game, he only got on the field 19% of defensive snaps. I don't understand why. Yeah, they've been the, using him in, like, a package. It's kind of weird. I don't know yeah, if he's not picking up the playbook or what it is, but yeah. he, he's someone that's an athletic freak, and that yeah. they'll probably have to get on the field a lot more now that Chandler to. Jones is gone. So yeah. it'll be interesting, but uh, the Cardinals' def- the defense is not their strength. So yeah. you're just going to want the offensive pieces for fantasy. Absolutely. I think Christian Kirk was probably dropped um, in a couple leagues mm-hmm. between his injury and his lack of production. So if he's available on your waiver wire, I think he's a solid guy that you Absolutely. can pick up and flex. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Steelers-Eagles game, man. And uh, Chase Claypool, welcome to the NFL. He had flashed a lot yes, in limited snaps this season, making big sideline catches and looking really good. Now, if you don't know about Chase Claypool before this game, he's 6'4", 230 pounds. He ran a 4-4-2 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine, and he has a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. He's only 22 years old. Out of Notre Dame. Yep, fighting Irish, baby. Yeah, people didn't like him because of his late breakout age and the mm-hmm. fact that he didn't really have um, too much college production. Yeah. And they were kind of just looking at him from his size. But there hasn't been someone at the NFL Combine, 6'4", 230, with a 4'4", since, like, Calvin Johnson. He yeah. was an athletic freak. The Combine earned him a second-round pick from the Steelers, but no one could have imagined this game. Oh, absolutely not. I mean – Four touchdowns, I mean, that's very hard to do. Some of the rookies to score four touchdowns in a game, Emmitt Smith, Earl Campbell, Gail Sayers, Jim Brown, and now Chase Claypool's into that list. He was the last, he was the first rookie receiver to score four touchdowns in a game since Jerry Butler of the Bills in 1979. He had seven catches on 11 targets leading the team. Yep. 110 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He got three rushing attempts. For yeah. six yards and a touchdown. He's so they were trying to get him involved. Oh, yeah. And the scary part is he has four touchdowns and he has five on the season. He doesn't have a single um, end zone target. All of his targets, yeah, he's true. been able to get himself into the end zone. Yeah. And that's coming from a guy that's 6'4", 230. So he's going to get some jump ball attempts at he some should, point man. in the end zone. I think Deontay Johnson, we have to monitor that back injury. Yeah. I don't know if Chase Claypool would have had four touchdowns with Deontay Johnson not mm-hmm. on the field, but he was definitely slicing and dicing the oh, Eagles secondary all day. And he really earned himself more playing time going forward oh, with the man. Steelers. and. I'm pretty excited. He's going to be everyone's number one receiver on the waiver wire this week, and I think that he's someone that's earned himself flex consideration every single week. You can't expect the four touchdowns. This might be the best game he has in his whole career. Yeah. Um, so you just got to enjoy it when it has. But having this kind of weapon on the offense with Deontay, with Juju, with Eric Ebron, with James Washington, and the running backs that they have, Ben Roethlisberger's floor in fantasy has gotten risen to the point where he's a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 rest of season, I think. Yeah, Big Ben. You know, talked about it, like, obviously he had that injury last year, but he's just looked great. And, you know, Chase Claypool, he was a guy who's flashed in some of the games. I think he had, like, the longest uh, touchdown play from scrimmage to coming into this game as well from Big Ben. So he's flashed, and he kind of had this breakout game here. He looked great, and, you know, Big Ben fed him the ball. And we'll see what ends up happening with Deontay Johnson's back injury. Uh, Juju was kind of quiet in this game. He only had four catches for 28 yards, so that's not really promising because you probably started him. And um, 
James Conner, he had his touchdown as well. But looking at the Eagles side of things, Carson Wentz, the interceptions are piling up. He has nine interceptions and six touchdowns on the season right now, and it's not looking so good for him. Um, Miles Sanders, he looked like he had a great fantasy day, but he had a 74-yard touchdown. He only had 80 yards rushing the the entire day. So he, yeah, he broke that one run that was uncharacteristic for such a stout rushing defense yeah. in Pittsburgh. And it was the longest um, touchdown run against the Pittsburgh Steelers since like 2005. That's insane. It was insane. So, Miles Sanders, you made fantasy owners day with that one play. Thank you for that. Yep. But Carson Wentz is worrying me a lot. Yeah. Now, it's not his fault that his number one receiver right now is Travis Fulgham, who had 152 receiving Unbelievable yards. game, yeah. And he was signed off the Lions practice squad. Yep. And just the fact that he was able to do that was great, but... He has no one to throw to. Zach Ertz mm-hmm. isn't getting separation anymore. No. Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, and Deshaun Jackson are all hurt. Yep. And Carson Wentz hasn't looked good even when those guys were on the field. So it's it's really tough for Eagles fans. The fact that you were somewhat in this game in terms of final score is kind of amazing. Yeah. The, the Steelers, the crazy thing about the Steelers is Chase Claypool could have had a fifth touchdown. It was called back That's from right, a yeah. from a um, offensive pass interference call that was really chippy. It was very like kind of a uh, not close there, and I I don't know why they didn't give it to him. But yeah, that, that he would have joined some elite company with a uh, five touchdown game. Ridiculous. But the fact that he can do that kind of thing is crazy. Yeah. I actually just bought him in our dynasty league. He was kind of a throw in with a trade that I did, um, and he his value is only going up. Yep. He's someone that everyone's gonna want, and he's just young and he has the size and athleticism that only so many people have in the NFL yeah absolutely I mean you kind of like think about like DK Metcalf was was someone a couple years ago who you know he had this uh, he had the size he had the speed but really not a lot of people like you know gave him too much of a chance in the NFL and he ends up in a great situation kind of similar to Chase Claypool he fell in the draft Steelers picked him up and he has this incredible game, so I mean, I hope that he can build off of his success here. I mean, he's an athletic freak, like we mentioned, and he looked great. And the Steelers, for the first time um, since 1979, started off or now starting off four and zero. So it's crazy to think that they haven't had a four and zero season in 71 or 41 years. It's insane since the 70s. That's with crazy. The Steel man. curtain defense, and you always think the Steelers have just been always like a good team too, which they is have really been, but their best starts have only been three and one until now. Yeah, and this Steelers team is fun to watch. I had them going 11 and five, and that might have not been enough. Like they yeah, might, they, they great, might have man. 12, 13 wins. They look fantastic. That defense yeah. is great. They need to shore up the secondary a little more, but. I'm very yeah. excited about this offense. Hopefully the Deontay Johnson injury is not too serious, but even if it isn't, I think that they have three wide receivers left that are still very usable. But wheels up to Mapletron, man, the Canadian born. Mapletron. Dude, he's he's fun to watch. But Absolutely, man. Hit, no one could have expected this breakout game. No. The Rams won 30-10, and Aaron Donald had four sacks and a forced fumble and golf and everything. They, they all bounced back in a big way. Yep. But Washington's Kyle Allen went down with a head injury and out came out number 11. What could be the final play of the season? Kingman looking downfield. He has Sanders. It is caught. Touchdown. Boston has won the championship. It's the game plan's Joe Kingman moment of the week. Alex Smith. It has been 693 days since he had suffered that that gruesome, awful injury that he had. And 17 surgeries later, talk, they, they were talking about amputating his leg. He had a life-threatening infection in his leg. He missed two full seasons. He's back. 
and he is he finally came in into an NFL game and you know it's just an incredible story for Alex Smith to work his way back from all from from that awful injury like I said 17 surgeries talk about amputating his leg life-threatening infection and he's worked his tail off to get back to this spot and now he was he took his NFL snap again it's incredible if you haven't watched the Project 11 documentary on Alex Smith, I highly recommend that you do. Watch it. It's really powerful and just crazy seeing the parallels between the Joe Theismann and Alex Smith injuries, how they happened on the same yard line with their left tackle missing, getting tackled by a three-time defensive player of the year yep. in a game that finished with the same final score. Literally chills. But Alex Smith's recovery and just the support of his family that was in attendance for this game, and they got to see him warm up for the first time as an active player since the injury and step onto the field. Incredible. Everybody was just so proud but also so worried for yeah, Alex Smith. I know. And he didn't do anything insane. He was able to have a field goal drive in the game. But yeah. the thing was the fact that he had made it back. There's been so much negativity in 2020 yep. and so many losses and bad things that have happened. But to see a great comeback story, Absolutely, something man. positive like Alex Smith happen, you're Joe Kingman in a half this week, Alex Smith. Yeah. Big props to you. On one of those four Aaron Donald sacks that I alluded to earlier, he literally piggyback rided Alex Smith and the fact that his legs were able to be strong enough yeah. to carry Aaron Donald on his back and go to the ground without hurting himself again. Alex Smith seems back. Washington has a great backup quarterback to help com- um, compete and help um, with the um, – production of Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins and just mentor them and I think that he's great for the locker room and I think that he came in he did what he had to do they said Kyle Allen's gonna be the starting quarterback going forward which is fine I I think that if Alex Smith isn't completely ready that it's fine for him to be the backup and just be there if they need him but just big props to Alex Smith it was one of the um, biggest highlights of the whole weekend was just getting to see him come back into a game former number one overall pick out of Utah Mm -hmm. from the 49ers he had a very up and down career he got replaced after an injury from Colin Kaepernick going on that Super Bowl run, and then he got replaced in Kansas City after a career year. They drafted Patrick Mahomes in the first round and sent him out of town after a Pro Bowl. Yep. Um, so Alex Smith, like we just hope that you get another chance to start in the NFL when you're Absolutely. ready, and we're just happy to see you back out there. Absolutely. From the Washington side, though, Terry McLaurin, my guy, mm-hmm. was the only Washington receiver to catch more than one pass. He had three catches for 26 yards. Yep. I'm worried about this Washington offense with the constant changes that are happening at the quarterback position because I won't be surprised if Kyle Allen gets hurt again or gets benched for Alex Smith and just the constant rotation of quarterbacks, at least with Dwayne Haskins. They had the Ohio State connection with him and Terry McLaurin, and he was getting the targets. Yeah, I'm just a little worried. He had seven targets in this game, but they a lot of them were overthrows and not really close. Yeah. Um, so for Terry McLaurin going forward, I'm – slightly worried but how worried are you as someone that's a little less biased i mean i mean all right well this game specifically i mean the alex smith and kyle allen were sacked a total of eight times so really they couldn't really get anything going on offense at all and you know terry mclaurin he had the target volume and he just you know it just wasn't his game in this game i mean he's still the unquestioned alpha on the team he's going to get the most volume on on this team he's going to get the most looks so i'm not too worried about him I mean, I think he's more so like a wide receiver too um, throughout the season. But, you know, 
Dwayne Haskins not being there. I guess you talked about the Ohio State connection. Yeah, it's not great. But, I mean, like, I feel like Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, I think they can get him the ball. But, I mean, I don't know how effective he'll be. I think he'll be pretty effective still to be a wide receiver too in fantasy. So, I'm not, like, too worried about him. I just think in this game specifically, like, he just – Alex Smith and Kyle Allen really just didn't have time. I mean, eight sacks is a lot. And then, you know, talk about Aaron Donald having four. You had a guy by the name of Troy Reader. He had three. Like, it was just the game, you know, they just couldn't protect their quarterbacks. And and I'm hoping that, you know, that the Washington offensive line ends up, you know, not having those type of games where the quarterback's getting, like, sacked like that. But I'm not too worried about Terry McCorn. I think he's still a solid wide receiver, too, in fantasy. And he's going to be someone I think you could start every single week. I mean, you also had to deal with uh, Jalen Ramsey this game, so it's another guy who's kind of more so of, like, a shadow cornerback. So still got seven targets. He's going to be getting the, the target volume. And, you know, I think that Terry McCorn, I think he's going to be okay. He'll be a wide receiver, too, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that he still will be a t- uh, wide receiver too, but I think that his floor is a little lower than little it was lower. Yeah. Um, with Dwayne Haskins at the beginning of the year, which is a little surprising because w- Washington clearly thinks that Kyle Allen is an upgrade over Dwayne Haskins, but yeah. that hasn't been the case so far. I know the Rams defensive front is nasty. It's amazing how great Aaron Donald is that he can have a four-sack <laughs> game and no one really talks no about one it. Talked about a it. lot of you probably don't even know that he had one. Yeah. Uh, going with this game just because the Rams aren't getting the attention that they deserve so far this season. They're a contender, not a pretender. They're a very good team. Four and one um, now. But the going on to other games, mm-hmm. Fitz Magic, baby. <laughs> Dolphins, 43-17 to 17 over the 49ers. The Dolphins hadn't scored 30 points and a half since 2003. That's insane. And, and uh, just Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, he's just slicing and dicing. He's hitting... Adam Shaheen, who hadn't caught a touchdown in two years. Devontae Parker. He's hitting Preston Williams, who's yeah. coming off the ACL. Mike Gesicki. Miles Gaskin, the six-round running back, is just eating up. Matt Burita's getting involved. Like, yeah. This Dolphins team, we picked them. We both did. You you actually surprised me by picking with me for the Dolphins. Yeah. But we didn't expect them to blow the doors off like this. That It was just an unbelievable performance. But I think for the Dolphins side, before we get into the 49ers mess, Ryan Fitzpatrick has led them to a 2-3 and three record. Yep. In their next five games before their bye, they could realistically win three or four more games mm-hmm. and go 5-5, five and 6-4 five, and four going into their bye week, which will put them in wildcard contention. Tua can just sit, and it's, it's just a beautiful thing. It's that beautiful. The, the, Chan Gailey, who is his offensive coordinator in Buffalo, um, is now the offensive coordinator with the Dolphins. He cannot say enough positive things about Ryan Fitzpatrick. The whole team is clearly behind him. He has that gunslinger leadership mentality. The team seems to love him. They get super excited when he scrambles for the first down and he makes these plays and he gives them a chance to make the 50-50 balls. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fantastic quarterback and just watching the beard play at 37 years old like this is just fantastic i think he's a great mentor for Tua, and i think the fact that the dolphins have him to ease Tua into the nfl and learn from him is just a supreme luxury absolutely and you know talking about like we talked about last week like the bill o'brien's bad moves they have you know the texans first round pick they have their own first round pick so the the dolphins right now are just in a great situation they have you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is showing two of the ropes. The you know, two is out here embracing it. Like he's 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 happy that Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing very well. So their quarterback room's healthy. Two is fine with sitting. And yeah, like, you know, they're they could realistically potentially be a potential uh wild card team, just the way they've been playing and 
I think, like you said, me and you both, I don't think we expected this dominance, uh, level of dominance from the, the Miami Dolphins in the game versus the defending NFC champions. And, you know, yeah, 49ers have all these injuries, but, like, still, I mean, that type of, like, dominant performance, I mean, that's incredible. Ryan Fitzpatrick was great. Only six incomplete passes. He threw for 350 yards, three touchdowns. He was hitting everybody. And, like, just you can't say enough about the guy. You know, he's been a journeyman quarterback throughout his career, and he just had an incredible game. Maybe one of the best games he's played in his career. Like, just incredible for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the team loves him. They love the energy that he brings. Just, like, his eyes, they open up, like, super wide when he, like, makes a play, and he's smiling. He's having a great time out there. And, like, it's just really awesome to see for the Dolphins' end. And, you know, if it – they can sit to it for however long they need to because Fitzpatrick is playing great. So the Dolphins are just in a great spot right now, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it stinks seeing uh, Josh Allen ball out and all this young talent um, being able to win despite the Dolphins not having a complete roster as a Patriots fan. But I, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm excited um, seeing everything there. Getting to it to be able to like get healthy and learn, I think, is something that most young quarterbacks don't get to do anymore. So I think that it's really important for him with the injury history that he has and the surgeries and stuff that he's healthy coming into the season. He gets to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the whole team is behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Absolutely. And the fact that they can possibly compete this year while still getting a high pick from the Texans, most likely not winning um, over eight games. So I think that it's going to look really good for them at the end of the season. On the 49ers side, though, their defense is in shambles. They have so oh, many man. injuries on the defensive side of the ball, let alone the offensive side. But the defense is just completely in shambles. Not the 49ers defense of old. I wouldn't be scared in fantasy with your weapons against the 49ers defense like you normally would be. Yeah. But for the offense, Jimmy G looked to maybe have aggravated his ankle, but he got benched in this game after throwing two ugly picks. Yep. What do you think of this 49ers offense? Is Jimmy G in this quarterback situation possibly holding them back from being better than they are right now? I mean, yeah. I mean... You know, you obviously need need good quarterback play in the NFL to be a successful offense. And I just feel like maybe Jimmy G just, I don't know if he was just a little rusty from not playing as long as he did. I mean, like you said, he could have re-aggravated his ankle injury. We don't know. But two bad interceptions, and they had to put C.J. Bethard in. And, you know, the the 49ers offense really just didn't look great. I mean, Raheem Mostert, he welcome back to him. I mean, he had 90 yards rushing. He came back and looked healthy, and yeah. he completely took the reins back in the backfield for all these Jerick McKinnon fans out there. Yeah. I said at the beginning of the year that Raheem Mostert was going to be this team's MVP because I thought he was going to be the lead back in the offense, and he just looked great. Yep. He had the burst. He was running people over. He was reading blocks very well. He had over 100 total yards. And he's someone that you're going to want to start every week as an RB2. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even in a game with like, you know, just they were down by so many points. I mean, he had 90 rushing yards and that's still, I mean, very impressive. He had 37 yard run, but you know, the 49ers just as a whole, they couldn't really get anything going. George Kittle only had four catches for 44 yards. He was targeted eight times. They just weren't hitting the guys. You know, Debo Samuel had two catches for 19 yards, but he had eight targets. So they just weren't completing really much of anything. And they're going to need, you know, maybe Jimmy G, maybe he re-aggravated his ankle injury, but they're going to need some sort of help at quarterback right now if they want to have a chance. Because, I mean, they're still they're still two and three. They're still kind of, you know, they're still obviously in the playoff race now. But, you know, with the division, with the Rams looking really good. They've only Seattle. beat the New York teams, man. Yeah. They've only beat the Jets and the Giants, which every team should be able to do. Yep. And, you know, other than that, they just haven't really been able to beat, you know, too many teams here. So the 49ers, you know, 
a team that, you know, I think me and you both had winning at least double-digit games, you know, just unfortunately for their injuries have really just hurt them a lot. And, you know, the quarterback play hasn't been great. So the, the 49ers right now are just not looking too promising. Yeah, other than Kittle and Mostert, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be hands-off with this offense until they figure it out. Yeah, me too. But I think that the 49ers are kind of just – Kyle Shanahan can't expect to um, fix everything when they have so many starters missing, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, just yeah. missing so many key players. It, it, you can't expect him to coach perfect games, but no. between the penalties and just giving up big plays, it, it's been uncharacteristic. And yeah, it's a man. team that everyone expected to be back in the playoff hunt, and now they're – going to be f- like pushing for a wild card spot and yeah it depends on how healthy they can stay if they can even get there at this point yeah i know yeah i mean hopefully for the 49ers sake the they can get better but it just doesn't really help with all the injuries they've had but looking forward now to the uh, another 425 game the dallas cowboys they went up against the new york giants but the big story of this game the cowboys did win 37 to 34 but unfortunately for dak prescott oh man it was Really rough to see him go down in this way. Um, he had a play where he ran, tried to run for a first down. He got injured, and you, when you saw it, you just thought about. Uh, for me, you know, being from Boston, from being a Celtics fan, I just instantly thought of Gordon Hayward. I'm like, oh no, it just doesn't look good. Everyone was surrounding him. Everyone just looked shocked. Like it was just really emotional. Like he was crying as he was like going off in the car. It just, it just didn't seem good at all. And, you know, hopefully for Dak Prescott, the reports are saying that he's set to miss four to six months with having surgery on the compound fracture. He's uh, He had the compound fracture in his right ankle, and he dislocated it. So hopefully Dak, he's, you know, Dak's just, he's gone through a lot this year. His brother, he died, and, you know, he kind of was just not really in a good mental state. And now he has this injury that he has to overcome. But just really unfortunate for Dak Prescott, who was having a career season, he was on pace to be, you know, he was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. He was caught a touchdown in this game. Caught a touchdown. He was leading the NFL in passing yards, passing attempts, completions. You know, Dak was having an incredible, incredible year. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, he's going to, I really hope that the Cowboys take care of him and really give him his money here because just a really unfortunate injury to suffer at this point in your career. Yeah, like before we get into like the, the game itself, but yeah. prayers out to Dak because. Yeah. It was just something you never want to see, especially in a contract year. Yep. He had turned down some longer-term um, future yeah. um, money contracts and stuff, so he's playing on the franchise tag. Just seeing this kind of injury and like the result, I, I was choked up seeing the um, players on the sideline. Everyone was there with the less fans. They could definitely hear and see everything a lot clearer yeah. than if it just happened during a packed house. and. It was just a really emotional moment, and he's just been such a leader in that locker room for them. He's been um, very vocal about mental health and different things. Yeah. He's kind of just said and done all the right things since he's been the uh, quarterback for America's team, as mm-hmm. uh, they like to call it down there. But yeah. I think that he's just been a uh, he's been a class act, and I'm going to be rooting for him to come back. Absolutely. Uh, a la Gordon Hayward, Alex Smith, and all the guys that have suffered these nasty injuries in the past that yeah. you just want to see the best. It shouldn't be career threatening, but his season is definitely over. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys are going to have to move forward with the red rifle. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton yep. They spent up in free agency to bring in Andy Dalton and considered him arguably the best backup quarterback in football. Yep. And, Sunday was his 25th career game-winning drive, which ties wow. with Matt Ryan for fourth most in the NFL since 2011. Yep. And it was his first coming off the bench in this game. So yeah. Andy Dalton didn't look electric, 
but he made a couple really big throws down the stretch yes. in order to put them in field goal position to come out of this game with a win. Yep. And Andy Dalton, he he's a pretty good quarterback. He's one of only six quarterbacks since 2011 to reach the following marks. 30,000 passing yards, mm-hmm. 200 passing touchdowns, and 70 wins. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very impressive. He was a very solid starter. It was clear in Cincinnati that he needed to blow things up. He had not been to the playoffs for the last couple seasons after making it his first four. Um, but Andy Dalton's a solid NFL quarterback. He can get the job done, and I think that although it is a downgrade for the Dallas offense going forward um, with the weapons and stuff, Andy Dalton is a quality NFL quarterback that can still get all the weapons the ball. Yep. So you're kind of just going to expect these Dallas weapons to be like 70 to 80% of what they were in terms of upside. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of hurts Dalton Schultz from being like a top five tight end possibly this season. I think he's more so going to be a low end tight end one, high end tight end two. Yeah. But I, in terms of CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, I, I still view them about the same um, in terms of weekly finishes. It, yeah. might, it might hurt them on a week-to-week basis in terms of having those smash like 20-point games, but they all should be very good for fantasy, and I yeah. think Zeke is really going to be the focal point going forward in this offense. Yeah, he's going to have to be. I mean, Andy Dalton, he's a serviceable starting quarterback. You know, he. I think he's I, – obviously, I do think a, a lot of these – all these um, – Dallas pass catchers are going to take a little like a slight downgrade, but I mean, I think Andy Dalton's going to be able to have some really good weeks, especially with these guys that he has around him. And yeah, I mean, Zeke's going to have to be a big vocal point of this team. They're going to have to really give him the ball and let him like control the offense here. And you know, I think Andy Dalton, I think with the division not being as as good as it is, I mean, I think the Cowboys are still going to be in the race for that division, of course. And I think Andy Dalton can definitely strain a couple of victories for them. I mean, he looked great, definitely down the stretch when they had to go down and try to win the game on a field goal. He hit Michael Gallup a couple of times. Michael Gallup made an incredible catch when he, when Andy Dalton threw that um that 38 yard pass to him. So you know, I think Andy Dalton he's going to be a serviceable quarterback for Dallas, and with the weapons that he has around him, I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, you can pro- you can even potentially start him some weeks if you have to in fantasy just because of the weapons. Oh, that- no, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's very startable. I think he'll be a. Uh- He'll be a high-end QB2 the rest of the season. I think yeah. that he'll have some boom weeks. But mm-hmm. in terms of just the weapons, CeeDee Lamb had his best game of the season receiving-wise. He, um, he had 124 receiving yards, including um, one really big pl- um, catch that he made that was DeAndre Hopkins-esque yeah. in the middle of the field. That was fantastic to see. Yeah. But he's a beast in his own right. Yep. I, I was very high on him out of college. Um, but CeeDee Lamb, Namari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, they're going to make plays for him. Even if Andy Dalton doesn't p- throw the perfect pass, they can still go up and get it. Yep. I'm just really uh, – I'd prioritize Andy Dalton as a pickup this week. I would, I think yeah. that you are going to want the Dallas quarterback more weeks than not. But the thing is with this division, it's still wide open. It is. Because all these teams are bad. We call it the NFC least on the show for <laughs> a reason. Yep. And I had Dallas winning this game, winning this division with 10 wins. I think that without – Dak Prescott, they're more likely to have eight or nine wins, but the thing is eight or nine wins is probably still going to be good enough to win this division. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think um, eight or nine wins could definitely be enough to win this division. Just the way that the, the, the division has been going, I mean, it's not been very good, and I think the Dallas Cowboys, definitely with Andy Dalton, who has won some pretty some big games throughout his career, I think that he's going to be more than serviceable here with the weapons that he has at his disposal. So I think eight or nine wins sounds realistic, and I would not be surprised, like you're right, if they end up winning the division. Yeah, on the Giants' side, they put up 34 points as a team, which seems like amazing because they hadn't scored a touchdown in the uh, previous two games. But yeah. Daniel Jones 
had no touchdowns in this game. So Evan Ingram nope. had a rushing touchdown. Devontae Freeman had a rushing touchdown. Someone picked off Dak for a pick six. Yep. And they had a bunch of field goals from Graham Gano. Yep. This Giants offense is so vanilla. It's not fun to watch. Nope. And I think that going forward, this team is going to have to roll the dice and try to like try experimenting new things because with all the air being taken out of the stadium with Dak's injury and Dak leaving the field – they had a chance to put this game away and and win a game their first game of the season, but they weren't able to do so. No, I think that going forward, the Giants are just going to be one of the bottom tier teams in the NFL right now. If the Giants and Jets both went zero and sixteen, according to calculations, the Giants would get the number one overall pick ten out of ten times. That's so insane. right now, they're considered the worst team in football. If they yeah. were, if they were to go zero and sixteen. And another team still goes 0 and 16. They would still be considered the worst team. So yeah, this is something that worries me. Uh, I think Daniel Jones has better days ahead, but it's it's really struggling because this Cowboys secondary is not very good. And the fact that he wasn't able no. to throw a couple touchdowns in this one uh, when a lot of people probably started him in fantasy and two quarterback leagues and stuff is frustrating. But yeah. I think better days are ahead for him. He's athletic. Uh, hopefully Jason Garrett will spice up the playbook a little bit. Yeah, he's going to have to because, I mean, like you said, it just looked vanilla. They're not really doing too much here. And, you know, this, the entire Giants offense, I mean, you would ex- you would have expected them to be, you know, uh, I mean, they still, I mean, 34 points is still a lot. But, I mean, Daniel Jones didn't throw a touchdown. He only had 222 yards against the Dallas defense. It's not been very good at all this season. So, you know, you got to hope that better days are ahead, like you said. But, I mean, it's – it's definitely not too promising for the Giants right now at all. Yeah, he threw a two-point conversion to his first round uh, left Andrew tackle. Thomas, yeah. <laughs> that was about all he made That's for it, uh, yeah. throws in the end zone in all this season, basically. But yep. Moving forward, mm-hmm. Browns 32, Colts 23. Yes, I picked the Browns, but this game is not as close as the score looked. The Browns no. are 4-1. and one behind a phenomenal defense led by Miles Garrett, who should be the lead for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Yep. And a running game that is doing so well without Nick Chubb now mm-hmm. and without Baker Mayfield really playing that great of football. So Kevin yeah. Stefanski should be top of the charts right now for Coach of the Year. I agree. And I think that the Browns are a scary team because with this formula, they brought in those tackles to improve the offensive line. They're able to control the clock and run the ball well, use Baker Mayfield to hit Jarvis Landry, Odell, and these tight ends mm. on these like easier passes. And they're moving the ball. They're leading in time of possession, and their defense is getting them the ball back. Yeah, the Browns have been very impressive. They're four and one for the first time since like Bill Belichick was the head coach of the team in the nineties. So this is like the first time that the Browns have really had much success and they look great. You know, they're able to, you know, kind of mask like Baker Mayfield's like um uh not very good quarterback play and kind of like run the ball. Uh Kareem Hunt he had seventy two rushing yards, to Ernest Johnson had thirty two, so they had over a hundred yards on the ground. They were able to run the ball against a pretty stout uh Colts defense and you know the Cleveland Browns defensively look great as well. They 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 look like a pretty good four and one team. I agree with you. I think Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. Really like implementing that system that he was that they kind of ran in Minnesota to really make Kirk Cousins look pretty good and like you know run the ball and kind of like keep the defense on their toes. I mean, he deserves deserves a lot of credit for this Browns turnaround for sure, and it's very impressive. Um, 
you know, talking about like how bad the Browns have been over the years, like Baker Mayfield, he just tied Ben Roethlisberger as the winningest quarterback, winningest active quarterback at first energy stadium with both 11 wins. So, you know, they just, the Browns have not been a very good organization, obviously, but it's really nice now to see that they have been very successful this season. And, you know, the, the team's playing very well, even without Nick Chubb and for the Colts, for the Colts side of the ball, Phillip Rivers, it's it's like so hard to watch Philip Rivers play football nowadays. We just talked about the Giants' offense being vanilla. Yeah, I would pray for the Colts' offense to be vanilla. It is so tough to watch. It's so tough. They have a top five six defense in the NFL right now. Their defense yep. is playing phenomenal. Great defense. They have a top two offensive line in the NFL. Yep, great offensive line. To me, they have a top five or six talent at the running back position in Jonathan Taylor. He's a freak athlete. And Phillip Rivers is just out here throwing balls into the turf. Like, Jonathan Taylor had eight carries in this game. I get it was a negative game script. But when you're giving carries to Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins and having Phillip Rivers throw the ball into the turf when he's looking for Trey Burton and T.Y. Hilton, it's not a recipe for success. This Colts team... You literally won a game last year by running Marlon Mack like 35 times. Yeah. They, Marlon Mack is not the running back Jonathan Taylor is. They need to lean on Jonathan Taylor in some of these games that they need to win because this team is being held back so much. They're in quarterback purgatory since um, Andrew Luck retired. Yep. Jacoby Brissett didn't get the job done. Phillip Rivers is even worse than Jacoby Brissett was last yeah. year because he's turning the ball over a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if I in week seven or eight that they end up having to switch to Jacoby Brissett. But it's not looking good either way for the Colts because they're a team that I thought was going to win nine, ten games. And if Phillip Rivers keeps playing like this, they're going to be lucky to get to that number. Yeah, and Phillip Rivers just – he can't be throwing the ball a lot. I mean, in the Phillip Rivers' two games where he's had to throw 30-plus times this season, he's thrown one touchdown, four interceptions, and they've lost both games. So – you know, it kind of like shows you what the success for the Colts is. They need to be able to run the ball in order to win games. All, all three of their wins were because Phillip Rivers wasn't really airing the ball out, kind of being more of a game manager and not really having him take too many shots and stuff and just kind of giving the ball to the running backs like Jonathan Taylor or whoever's back there. And, you know, it's 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 really hard to watch this offense. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, he said his, his season high in receiving yards and he only had 69 receiving yards. So it kind of just says enough about the Colts offense right now. It's just not very good and it's really tough to watch their offense. And I think me and you both, I mean, we thought that the Colts were going to be a pretty good team this year, a potential playoff team. But if Phillip Rivers keeps this up and he's having to throw the ball like this and just not being effective whatsoever, he threw a pick six in this game. You know, it's, it's just really safety rough. too. Out of safety and – it's just it's really rough to watch the Colts offense and you gotta hope as a Colts fan that they start improving. Yeah, they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. They just have one of the least talented quarterback rooms and it's it's really showing and, yeah. and it's it's the scab on that team right now. Yep. So it's tough. It is what so. also is tough, the Vikings had fourth and goal. They had Russell Wilson had driven down the field with a chance to win the game and uh you already knew what this was gonna be. The Game Plan's Rock Bottom Moment of the Week. I don't know what the Vikings were doing. DK Metcalf, on that on that drive for Russell Wilson to go and win the game, was targeted six times. He was throwing the ball six times on that drive alone. And then you get into a fourth, fourth and goal territory 
Where do you think the ball is going to go when a guy's been targeted six times Before in one Before we drive? even get into the red zone, third and long they forced. Yeah. And DK Metcalf makes a big play. Oh, yeah. Yep. Then they get down into the red zone, and they force a fourth down. They target DK Metcalf on back-to-back plays. Yep. And what does the Minnesota defense do? They don't high and low double DK Metcalf. Nope. They let him get an almost free release over the middle Easy. of the field. And if you give an accurate quarterback like Russell Wilson, who is, I'm loving my MVP pick for Russell Wilson right now. Yeah, but right. give him that big of a target running over the middle of the field, he's going to make you pay. And that was for the game. Yep. And the fact that you choked a lead away like that with your running back going out in Alexander Madison coming in admirably to run the ball for over 100 yards. Adam Thielen really cooking on a day where Justin Jefferson couldn't get open. Yep. The fact that they were in position to win this game and Russell Wilson just was Russell Wilson, it's just so crazy because looking at it, Russell Wilson is just so good. He is. And the Vikings defense was playing pretty good on that Seattle offense all night, and they just let Russell Wilson and DK beat them at the end. And It was just watching it. Everyone knew where the ball was going. And yeah. they still just gave him a wide open target. It, it, it's so bad. Yeah, like I said, DK Metcalf was targeted six times on that game winning drive alone. Like, that's, uh, I mean, when you're a defense and a guy's been getting fed the ball like that on a single drive, you got to double team him. And, you know, when you have a guy like DK Metcalf, as big as he is, fast as he is, when you have him going across the middle on a free release, like you said, it's just money. And a quarterback like Russell Wilson is going to make that throw 10 out of 10 times. And, you know, it's incredible for what Russell Wilson's been able to do this season. They're letting Russ cook. He's now leading the NFL in touchdown passes. He has 19 touchdowns, and he's on pace for 61 passing touchdowns. He's just been incredible this season. The Seattle Seahawks have been 5-0, and and, you know, the Vikings, they had a chance to win this game, and they just they blew it there at the end. They didn't make the right defensive adjustment there at the end, and, you know, Dalvin Cook, he went down with the injury. He had a uh, groin injury. Seems like it's not going to be serious. It looks like he's going to miss the game against the Falcons. So if you have Alexander Madison, you got to put him in. You got to put him right in your lineup. You got to play him because he's probably going to have a big game against a really bad Falcons. He's going to be a huge pickup this week for fantasy because in shallow leagues, he's out there everywhere. Yeah, he's out there on I think like forty percent of leagues but right now. If you now. have any doubts that Russell Wilson is not the MVP this season, the Seahawks have been outgained by at least 50 yards in three out of their five games and still won all five games because Russell Wilson is just that good. He's able to overcome one of the worst secondaries in the whole NFL that's giving up all these yards and points, and he's able to match it every single time. It's it's insane to watch him. He's so efficient. He's one of the clutchest quarterbacks. He, I think he has 30 game-winning drives yeah. in, his, it's in his career, and it's just fantastic. He's, yeah, he's, some, he's someone that can do it all. He has the wheels that he really hasn't show off much at all this season. But he's the whole package, and yeah, I think this is finally the year that Russ wins his MVP. I, I, you know, I really think so too. I mean, they're letting him cook, and he's just been dicing up defenses this entire season. Just says a lot about Seattle when they win the game against the Vikings, and the Vikings had the ball for 20 minutes more. Like, that's just incredible that they were able to win this game. And, you know, Russell Wilson, he's incredible. Went 94 yards and a minute and 42 seconds, two fourth down conversions. Like, you know, Russell Wilson's just incredible. And, you know, like I said, on pace for 61 touchdowns, I don't think he'll get that. But, I mean, he's just – he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's super underrated. He hasn't gotten an MVP vote, but I think he's going to get a whole lot of those this year because they're letting this man cook, and Seattle's just 5-0, and riding high right now. They're incredible, so – yeah, yeah I, 
there's, that's just exactly what I was going to say. Just, yeah. It's just unbelievable how good he's been this season and the fact that he hasn't got an MVP vote in his career. I think that narrative was big going into the season, but the way that he's played has really just made that narrative reality. Absolutely. So big props to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks going into the bye 5-0. and oh. Yep. Fantastic start. Speaking of another team that just couldn't finish the game. Oh, man. The Chargers on Monday Night Football, man. They lose to the Saints 30-27 to in OT. Yep. Herbert is legit, man. First rookie quarterback with four touchdowns on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. and that was with Keenan Allen not coming out of the locker room in the second half and yep. without Austin Eckler because he's on IR currently. And they had th- they didn't have three starters on their offensive line in this game. And Justin Herbert is – Justin Herbert's a baller. I mean, he's incredible. Like you said, four touchdowns is the most for a rookie quarterback on Monday Night Football of all time. And he was just making some incredible throws without his top wide receiver weapon. He was having to feed it to Mike Williams, who Mike Williams, when you know he's in, he's really good when you you kind of give him that that jump ball. I mean, he made an incredible jump ball catch to set them up for a potential um, game winning field goal. But Michael Badgley, he missed that kick, and that kind of cost them the game there. And just but Justin uh, Justin Herbert is just he's very good. You know, he you know stepped in when Tyrod Taylor, his uh, you know the doctor messed up his uh, chest with the um, with the puncture, and you know ever since he's come in, he's just been so good. And you know, you just you know going up against Drew Brees. I mean, there's no fans in the Superdome, but still, you're going up against Drew Brees in New Orleans, and he's able to throw for four touchdowns as a rookie quarterback on Monday Night Football, and everybody's watching. It's really incredible to see just Justin Herbert really like look as good as he has been and yeah speaking of Mike Williams man a lot of people view him kind of as a bust as he if you remember he was a top 10 pick yep out of Clemson and he's one of the best if not the best jump ball receivers in the entire NFL he might not have he might not much have much speed or yards after catch but that frame and leaping ability has been so elite for the Chargers throughout the years and they were able to on third down set up Michael Badgley for a 50-yard field goal attempt to win the game and not force overtime. And as soon as Michael Badgley doinked it off the upright and Drew Brees got the ball to start overtime, everyone just knew the game was over. Yeah, Drew think- Brees got his 12th overtime win, passing Tom Brady for the most of all time. Incredible. And Drew Brees, man, he didn't even have a fantastic game. He had an okay game. He threw his first pass over 25 yards this season, um, which is great, a 41-yard touchdown to Jared Cook. But you you looked at this game, and the Chargers had every opportunity to win this game. They had a 20-3 to lead in the first half. And yeah. the fact that they just aren't able to finish games, they've lost all of Herbert's starts, and in two of those games they had big leads that they blew. Yeah, uh, this is back-to-back weeks where they've blown a 17-point lead, and the Chargers have kind of just been notoriously that team that throughout the years, really, they've been in a lot of close games, but they just haven't been able to get the job done, and they just another unfortunate um, um, mishap there with uh, Michael Badgley missing that kick, and they just couldn't get the ball back in overtime, and Drew Brees went right down the field and, and won the game, and, you know, I mean, just... Honestly, if you're a Chargers fan, you just got to take away that your future is bright. You have a quarterback who looks incredible, and you know you're gonna have Austin Eckler. If probably he'll come back next season, if not, maybe later towards this later this season. And you're just gonna be really excited if you're a Chargers fan. But another big story in this game was uh, Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas, he didn't play in this game, and you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, it's because of his injury. But he actually didn't play in this game because he had an altercation with a teammate. He punched. 
uh, defensive back Chauncey Garner-Johnson, and he was held out of this game because of disciplinary reason. And, you know, that's something that's not, you know, obviously not a good sign whatsoever when you're, you know, one of your best players is getting into fight in practice and he punched, punched the guy in the face. So, I mean, it's not very good at all. Yeah, it's a little worrisome. The Saints haven't had a great start to the season. The Chargers kind of gifted them this win. Yeah. It would have been really bad if Michael Badgley made that kick for the Saints season. Yeah, it would have been a different story. Um, but looking at it, Michael Thomas, man, he had the injury. He had the historic year last season, and he got paid. It's kind of tough. You see these quote-unquote diva receivers um, in the NFL, and there's been problems with them being able to win and overcome things and stuff like that. And I'm hoping that this was just a bad day on the, yeah. on the field, but the fact that he was held out of the game for it makes it seem like it might be a problem that was building up to this altercation, um, which is worrisome for the Saints going forward. Emmanuel Sanders stepped up big Absolutely. in this game, um, and he had a bunch of catches, and I think it was career high in catches with 12. Yeah. Um, so he, really he did really good um, filling in for him. Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara did their thing um, as receiving weapons. But yep. uh, I think that you just look at the Saints, and they're a team that a lot of people were picking to – possibly represent the nfc in the super bowl i know you did yeah I did. Um, but they're, they're a team that i'm very worried about right now i thought that i think they're still going to be able to come back and make the playoffs yeah because they're relatively healthy but mm-hmm. it, it, it's tough for the saints right now uh, i think that they really need to look themselves in the mirror before their next game yeah they have to i mean you know they're three and two now but they've had a couple of tough losses and you know when your star wide receiver is getting into an altercation like that it's not good i saw another thing that malcolm jenkins i think he called him like slant boy or something like that because obviously the joke around the nfl is that michael thomas only runs slant routes which he it's, it's not true but you know I, I, it's just it's not good whatsoever to just to see your star wide receiver get into an altercation like that and I think what you were alluding to too is like if the Michael Badgley made that kick and the Saints lost I think this would be a, a huge story they'd be like oh if they had Michael Thomas they would have won this game and it would have just caused a lot more drama so that Michael Badgley missed for the Saints was huge for them to even in, in to go down the field and win the game in overtime you know if they were at two and three right now and didn't have Michael Thomas and they sat him you know, the people would have been saying, oh, like, Michael Thomas being in the game would have helped them win. So it's just the Saints right now are not in a good situation. I did have them go into the Super Bowl, but it's just they haven't really put it together. And, you know, they've had the injuries, and Drew Brees hasn't looked like the same quarterback as he has in years past. So we'll have to end up seeing what happens, and hopefully they can get the ship in the right direction. Yeah, it ended up being a very entertaining Monday Night Football yeah. game with the comeback and everything and the drama of the uh, missed field goal and the big catch by Mike Williams to hopefully set it up. Yep. Usually when we're done talking about Monday Night Football, that's it for the previous week recap. But we still have one game left in Week 5 tonight. Yeah. In a half hour, they're kicking off Tuesday Night Football. Bills-Titans, a battle of undefeated teams. Yep. A.J. Brown is expected to play for the Titans, so that's big for them as they are not going to be with Corey Davis or Adam Humphreys. Yep. Um, so there's going to be a lot of John New Smith, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown tonight for Ryan Tannehill in the Tennessee offense. Uh, me and Brandon both picked the Bills on the show last week to win this game, so we're still expecting them to. I think it'll be a somewhat lower-scoring game yeah. um, with like the postponage of both teams and the Titans not having played football for a little bit. 
Yeah, but I still think it'd be a good game. Yeah, it's just super weird to say Tuesday night football, only in 2020 to say Tuesday night football. But, you know, we're going to be looking forward to that in the next half hour when those two teams kick off. Battle of the undefeated teams. So it's going to be great to watch. Josh Allen, obviously, has been playing very well. And we haven't seen the Titans in quite a while, obviously, because of their COVID situation. So it's going to just be nice to see them back on the field as well. Yeah, usually Tuesday, you're celebrating a big win or putting your hand on your head for a big loss in fantasy football. But a lot of fans... Fantasy matchups still are up in the air for tonight's games with yeah. a lot of fantasy-relevant players. Absolutely. We talked about it last week. Me and Brandon matched up in our Dynasty League, and my undefeated team stayed undefeated. Yeah, I ended up taking care of business uh, against yeah, Brandon's yeah, team, yeah, and uh, I'm still in first place, so yep. we're doing well there in our Dynasty League, uh, in the same league that I traded for Chase Claypool, so I'm feeling pretty good feeling, right now. Yeah, you're feeling pretty good. Um, but now we're going to go into Week 6, Yes. and uh, Week 6 starts off with... No Thursday night football because of the games being moved. Yep. Um, the, no Thursday night. The Bills game got moved to Monday. Yep. But Texans Titans mm-hmm. one o'clock. So the Titans we don't know if they're going to be four and zero or three and one. We're predicting to be three and one. Yep. Against the Texans, and Watson. This is his first real test without Bill O'Brien because yes. the Jaguars' defense was bad to begin with. But they, like we said, they were missing four of their best five defensive players in that game. Right. So. Do you think that the Texans' defense can hold up against this Titans' offense enough for Watson to win the game? No. I'm going to be taking the Titans, I feel like. This is almost a walk of the week for me. I mean, I'm not going to make it a walk because it's Deshaun Watson, obviously. He could potentially win them this game by himself, but... I just don't think the Texans' defense has been very good, really, throughout the season. And they kind of got a good matchup against the Jaguars. And, you know, they look great against them. But the Titans are a very good football team. You know, we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, like, they haven't haven't played a lot. We'll see how they play tonight. But, I mean, the Titans, I just feel like, are a better team overall than the Texans. And, you know, the Titans, I feel like they're going to be a little bit more healthier. I think A.J. Brown will be a little bit more healthier this game. And really what they're going to have to do to win this game, I think, is just to give the ball to Derrick Henry, let him, let him run wild on this Texans defense. It's not been very good against the run, really, throughout the entire season. So I'm going to take the Titans in this game. I wanted to pick the Titans, too. But I'm looking at this game more and more, and I, for some reason, I, I think I'm going to go with the Texans. Oh, okay. Deshaun Watson, he finally started airing it out last week. This yep. Titans defense is good but not great. Um, but I really think that the difference maker is going to be on the Titans side of the ball. A.J. Brown works. He's going to play tonight. We don't know how limited he's going to be, and yeah, we don't we'll know see, how yeah. good he's going to look. Mm-hmm. But the Titans have so many offensive skill play- position players that are either banged up or on COVID IR. So they're going to really be struggling to find people to throw the ball to. So yes. I think the game plan on Romeo Cornell's side is going to be to stack the box against Derrick Henry and let Tannehill beat them. And yeah. I think that the Texans will be in the game and if they're in the game I'll, I'll take Deshaun Watson over Tannehill in the close game that's fair I mean hey you know if, if that's their game plan just if, if they can limit Derrick Henry and put the ball in Tannehill's hands and it's a close game I'm going to take Deshaun Watson but I just think I just feel like that the Titans are just a better overall football team at this point so I'm probably going to be taking the Titans here um, moving on to another game we have the Browns in the Steelers Two teams in the divisions that have been playing very well. Obviously, the Steelers are undefeated. They're 4-0, and the Browns have been 4-1. I So, in this game, I'm going to be taking the Steelers. I think that the Browns, yes, they've been playing very well, but Pittsburgh has just been – I feel like Pittsburgh's just been playing on another level as of late in these four games that they've won. I mean, the defense is fantastic. 
Their their rush defense has been very good. They gave up that one run to Miles Sanders, but like we mentioned, Miles Sanders only had like ten carries for six yards after that play. So they've just been done very well. They they stopped Saquon Barkley the first game of the season. The Steelers are gonna I think are gonna be able to do a good job against the Browns, which means they're gonna have to force Baker Mayfield to beat them. And I don't think Baker Mayfield's gonna be beating the Steelers. I so. think the Steelers are gonna impose their will yes. in this NFC North showdown. I think that they're gonna show that this. It's still their division that mm-hmm. the Browns might be an upstart team, but it's not their time yet. Not the time. Um, so I think the Steelers will remain undefeated against the Browns as well. I think it'll be a tough AFC North-like battle like yeah. we're used to seeing with the Ravens and Steelers in the past. Yeah. I think it'll be pretty fun. I think it'll be Smash Mouth football. Miles Sanders, uh, like we said, didn't really do too much. So I think that Kareem Hunt and uh, this Browns team, they run the ball a little bit better. Their offensive line's a little healthier. So I think they'll be able to make more hay than Miles Sanders was um, on Sunday. But yeah. mm-hmm. I think that Baker Mayfield is really going to be the difference maker. Like, can he overcome and, and do the so. plays that he needs to? That's why I'm going to stick with Big Ben and the Steelers. But Absolutely. I think it should be fun in a game that could really go either way. Yeah. With this next game, Ravens and Eagles. Mm-hmm. Now – the Ravens are probably going to slaughter this team. Yeah. The number one Eagles receiver is Travis Fulgham, as we talked about. <laughs> yep. And he's not bad, but no. he shouldn't be your number one receiver. No. And the fact that he's going to get, like, Marcus Peters treatment, like Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey like, he's going he's gonna to yeah. get covered by elite DBs instead mm-hmm. of the struggling Pittsburgh defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I don't think he's going to be too much of a factor. And Wentz's struggles continue to just scare me so much. I, I really can't bet on Carson Wentz until he proves me otherwise. Like that, that yeah. San Francisco game, I was impressed. But then I saw how San Francisco got the doors blown off them by Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I was like, Carson Wentz should have had like 30 points in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think this is going to be a rough game for the Eagles side of the ball, especially offensively. The Ravens defense, were basic, they basically just came off of a shout a shutout except for that uh, last-minute uh, field goal from the Bengals. And I think that's going to be a, the big difference maker. The Ravens' defense is going to play some great football, I think, in this game. Carson Wentz, he's just he's, he hasn't been playing great. Probably going to throw a couple more interceptions again in this game, and the offensive line's not going to do him any favors. The Ravens' rush defense is very good, and I think I just think that they're going to be able to really dominate this game. Ravens offensively, I think Lamar Jackson against the Eagles' defense. I mean, the Bengals' defense is not very good either, but I mean, the Eagles' defense isn't as well. They're kind of banged up, and you know, uh, Fletcher Cox he went down last game too um, against the Steelers, and. I just I just think the Ravens are going to probably blow out this, the Eagles in this game, and it's going to be really a, uh, a a huge loss again for the Eagles, and really question what they're going to be doing here in this season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yep, Vikings. We talked about how they choked this week. Mm-hmm. They get to play the Chokers, the Atlanta the Falcons chokers. this week. So. Do you think the Vikings can rebound against this Falcons team that's winless, but they finally got rid of Dan Quinn? Yes, I think the Vikings are going to rebound in this game. I just think, you know, the Falcons, They yes, they got rid of Dan Quinn, but, I mean, I, I just don't think that really means too much here with this team. I mean, they've just not been – they just haven't been really good. I don't know if Julio Jones is going to play. If he does, I'll give Atlanta a chance, but – we were talking about earlier, we've seen how Matt Ryan's played without Julio yeah, Jones. If Julio doesn't play, Matty Ice goes to Matty No Dice. And Matty No Dice. I'm just not in on it. I think that the Vikings will really just dominate time of possession. I yes. think Alexander Madison 
is a smash start. Absolutely. He's going to probably get into the end zone. He's going to get a lot of carries. Yep. Mike Boone will probably be involved, too. Mm-hmm. I think that the game will be that far out of hand. And yeah. none of these Atlanta DBs, they had guys signed right off the street that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson were just running by. Yep. I think that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson will both be able to do whatever they want in this game. Yes, I think so, too. I think the Vikings are going to be able to win this game pretty handedly. Um, we'll get at another game here. We got the Washington football team. They're going to go to New York and play the Giants. I have the Washington football team winning this game. I mean, there's, there's not too much to talk about with this game. There's, there's both of these teams have been playing very good. But I think Washington, even with the quarterback carousel, I think the Giants have just – they just haven't really shown really too much life. I mean, they could have won this last game against the Cowboys, but they couldn't. And in the game, you know – the game against the 49ers they got blown out and Nick Mullins just lit them up and there's just not there's not just a whole lot to talk about in this game I feel like but I'm gonna take Washington even though whoever they start quarterback it's Kyle Allen Alex Smith whoever I think I'm gonna take them in this game I just feel like that they're a slightly better team than the Giants are at this point and I think the Giants are gonna remain winless yeah terrible game for fantasy Mm mm-hmm but my boy Terry McLaurin is going to see a whole lot of James Bradbury this week. Yes, James Bradbury. James is great. Bradbury is arguably the best corner in football right now. He's playing lights out. Yes. I think that's the difference maker in this game. I think the Giants are finally going to get their first one of the season. They mm-hmm. finally started playing decent team football last week. I think that Daniel Jones will struggle against this Washington front seven. Yeah. But I think that in a low-scoring game that the, he'll be able to make it at least enough field goal drives for them to win this game. Yeah. I, I don't really trust Kyle Allen in this Washington offense yet. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking that if you can take their best player away with Terry McLaurin um, for the majority of the game, that the Giants are going to be able to take this one and finally become the first team in New York to win. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. I mean, they definitely could win. I mean, it's not too much to talk about. The game is, you know, not too, not very good team. So, yeah. So looking at Colts, Bengals, mm-hmm. the Colts defense keeps them completely in almost every game. Yes. I think this is going to be a huge day for Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor, they've seen he's been their most impressive running back. They've seen how Phillip Rivers has lost some games. And they've seen how Cincinnati can't stop running backs. Yes. That this is a perfect recipe for Jonathan Taylor to have his first big game since week two against the Vikings. And I think that it'll be a very similar game script to the Vikings game where Phillip Rivers throws the ball like 19 times. Jonathan Taylor gets a ton of carries. Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins get a little cleanup duty later in the game. And I think Joe Burrow will be able to have a better week than he did last week. I think yeah. the Colts defense is almost on par with the Ravens, but it's not quite as bad. The secondary is a little softer. Mm-hmm. So I think Joe Burrow will have a little bit of a bounce back week, but I still wouldn't start him in fantasy against his Colts defense. Um, yeah. I, I think you just start like your Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, and then uh, if you need to, T. Higgins. But this this is not a big game for fantasy. I think you're really just starting the running backs, and then, like I said, Tyler Boyd is pretty much a must-start with his target share. I agree. I think the Colts are going to win this game. I think – Hopefully they realize that Phillip Rivers should not be throwing the ball more than 20-plus times a game and just run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. I, I agree. I feel like this could be a huge game for Jonathan Taylor, especially against this Bengals defense. And I think that the Colts, I think, are just going to dominate time of possession. And Joe Burrow is going to have to play uh, catch-up in this game. Just, I, I just feel like that the Colts are going to have a nice bounce-back game by running the football, doing what they do best. Lions-Jags. Yep. Patricia got two weeks to prepare for Gardner Minshew in this banged up Jags team. Yep. I think that's a difference maker here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jags defense is bad to begin with, but they are hurt. I don't know how many of these players that miss this week are going to play. Yep. Um, but there's fantasy gold here. There is. Yeah. I think this is going to be a mini shootout mm-hmm. um, in terms of fantasy points. Um, and I think that 
Matthew Stafford and this Lions offense is going to be able to do whatever they want. Yep. And I think that Gardner Minshew is going to be playing from behind. So LaVisca Chenault, to me, is a big pickup this week. I think he's going to be yes. someone that you can flex. And mm-hmm. I think that James Robinson will bounce back against this Lions team that hasn't been able to stop any running back yes. this season. And I think that you're just going to want to start everybody. Absolutely agree. I think this is going to be a mini shootout. I'm going to take the Lions to win this game. But, you know, for fantasy purposes, start your quarterbacks in this game if you need to. And uh, running backs, I mean, James Robinson will have a decent game, of course, against this Lions defense. And, you know, if you have to start a running back, I mean, maybe even Adrian Peterson's a guy you can throw in there, Swift, if you have to. And I think a big day is coming for Kenny Galladay. And then TJ Hawkinson, obviously, you can start. There's a lot of pieces you can start in this game. It's going to be a low-key shootout, like you said. But I'm going to take the Lions to win this game. should be a fun, exciting game that no one's really thinking of. Yeah, it's almost my lock of the week that the Lions can finish this one out. Yep. Bears-Panthers at 1 o'clock. The yep. Bears might have shocked Tom Brady last yep. week, but they have never faced Joe Brady and his offense. <laughs> this is a Mike Davis revenge game, people. That's true. He got replaced by David Montgomery mm. last season, You're absolutely and he's right. been on fire. I'm excited. I'm Panthers all the way in this one. Teddy yeah. Bridgewater is finally starting to figure out the offense and put everything together. I think that the cap of points – for Nick Foles and this Bears team is about 24 to 28 points, and I think that the Panthers can easily match or top that in this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be that high scoring, but that's like best-case scenario. I have the Panthers. You're going to start your studs in this. You're going to start the running backs. You're going to start the main receivers, and then if you need to start Teddy B, you can, but I don't love the matchup. Yeah. But I have the Panthers winning this game. I agree. I have the Panthers winning this game and the Mike Davis revenge game. So hopefully he's continues his success that he's had this season and go up against his former team. And I think the Panthers are going to win this game. They're going to go four and two. The Bears, they had an impressive win against the Buccaneers, but I think that the Panthers have been playing some very good football. They've won three straight, and I think they're going to continue their momentum. You mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. He's been playing great under this Joe Brady system, and I just think that the Panthers have been playing some very good football, and I think the Bears are going to lose their second game here. And you can, for fantasy, you can start a lot of guys, like like we said, and I'm going to take the Panthers here to win this game. Now, this next game we already talked about last week because it got postponed to this week. Patriots take on the Broncos. Yeah. And we're not going to spend any time on this because we already did last week. We both picked the Patriots. Yes. And it's because Belichick just doesn't lose to young quarterbacks. Brett Rippon is not going to be Bill Belichick in this one, especially if Cam Newton plays. Absolutely. Um, And the Broncos were beat up going into this game last week before it got postponed. And they didn't even get a real buy because they practiced all week before the game got postponed and canceled. Yep. So, so there, there's no shot the Broncos win this game. The no. Patriots are going to win. Yeah, absolutely. I'm taking the Patriots here all day. Now, my lock of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Dolphins take on the Jets. Just it was They were going to play the Broncos this week, but schedules got flipped around. Broncos-Jets at 4-0-5. Fitzmagic is going to roll this Jets team with or without Sam Darnold. I don't care if he's playing or not. Yep. The Dolphins were able to put 43 points up against the banged-up 49ers defense. The banged-up 49ers defense is better than a fully healthy Jets defense. 100%. So I think that Miles Gaskin is going to be able to do whatever he wants. They're going to be able to run the ball. I think that he's going to be able to throw all over the field. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Kosicki, I'd be willing to start all of them. Absolutely. And I think that the Jets um, are going to struggle. I think that they're not going to be able to do much. The only person you start on the Jets' side of the ball is Jameson Crowder because of the target volume. That's literally it. You said it exactly. Yep, exactly right. 
you know, the Dolphins, I think they're going to have a, another dominant game here against the Jets, and the Jets have just not been very good, obviously, and the only guy you can start is Crowder, and obviously you can start a bunch of Dolphins pieces if you need to this year, this week. I mean, if you're um, if you're a Dak Prescott owner and he's out for the season, you need the quarterback to stream. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is a perfect quarterback to stream this week. Yeah, so. he's a perfect quarterback streamer. Yep. This is going to be fun. We don't get a lot of Rodgers-Brady. Yep. Packers-Bucks, 425. Rodgers is playing on another level right now, and he Incredible. should have Devontae Adams back. Yep. So it makes sense that the Packers would go 5-0, and right? Yep. But Brady, when does he lost two straight games before? Like, it never happens. And if you think that he's not going to be motivated after all the memes of him holding up the four and the embarrassing loss to Nick Foles again, I'm just going to pick Tom Brady. I think he's going to have the team as prepared as possible this week. I think they're going to bounce back big time. I think they'll be healthier. They might get Chris Godwin back in this game. And I think that the Bucks are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a very fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. I can't um, wait. And I like all the fantasy options that you would normally start in this one. I wouldn't go get cute with the MVSs and Scotty Millers of the mm-hmm. world, but you can start Robert Tanyan and Devontae mm-hmm. Adams if he plays, and Aaron Jones, obviously, with yep. Rodgers. And then you can start Brady, Godwin if he plays, Evans, and then Ronald Jones. So I'm excited for both of these teams, and I think it's going to be one of the better games of the week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to take the Packers, but everything you said was correct. I, you know, it's hard to bet on Tom Brady losing two straight games. He doesn't do it often, but just what I'm seeing from the Packers, they've just been looking, they've looked so good and incredible. And, you know, they, they've had a proper bye week this week. So they've had a lot of time to prepare for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and company. And I just think Aaron Rodgers is playing some of his best football of his career. He has no interceptions. He has double-digit touchdown passes. And he's going to get Devontae Adams back in this game, it looks like. And, you know, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady losing two straight games, but I'm going to be taking the Packers here. They've just been an incredible football team to watch. I love Aaron Rodgers. This is probably the best defense he's played so far this season. So it'll be his first real test to see if Aaron Rodgers is back to the Aaron Rodgers of old or if he's Mm -hmm. just having a resurgence. Yep, so we'll Um, see. But it'll be a really fun game to watch. Rams-Niners is the Sunday night game. And the Rams are just the better, healthier football team right now. Yeah. Um, even if you want to give the slight coaching advantage to Shanahan over McVay, I don't think it really matters in this one. No. Uh, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring divisional game, but you're going to be able to play your main people. Um, like I said, on the 49ers side, you just play Mostert and Kittle. But on the Rams side, if you need to start a Henderson – I'm fine with that. Yep. But you start golf, you start woods, you start cup. Absolutely. Um, if you need to start Higby, you can, I guess. But I'm not super high on Higby this week. But mm-hmm. I think that the Rams are going to win this game um, pretty handily. The score will be closer than the game actually is. Um, but I, I just think that whoever's playing quarterback for the Niners, Aaron Donald's going to give them headaches. Yeah. And that's, that team is just put together really well right now. Yeah. This is actually my lock of the week. I have the Rams winning this game pretty handily. I think, um, the 49ers quarterback situation has just not been very good. And, you know, we just saw what the, the, um, the Rams just did to Alex Smith and Kyle Allen. I mean, I don't know who's going to be back there for the 49ers, but I think they're going to be they're going to have to deal with Aaron Donald and company on that defense. And the Rams have just looked great on offense too. So I'm just going to be taking the Rams here to win this game pretty handedly. I think. I think the I think the game could be a lot closer, like you said, maybe um, not looking at like the final score. But I'm just going to be taking the Rams here. I think it's my lock of the week. They just they've been playing some very good football, and the 49ers are kind of like on that. Uh, that down, down spiral. So I'm going to take the Rams. Yeah, it's there. a must win for the 49ers, but I don't hate that being a lock for you. Yep. 
this Monday Night Football game is going to be bananas for us. Oof, I can't the wait. world is going to get introduced to Josh Allen. Yep. He's finally getting prime time. Monday night, not the game at 10 p.m. Nope. 5 p.m., dinner time, everyone out of work, everyone's going to watch. Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Chiefs, Bills, man. It's going to be so fun. There's no way I make this a lock because I will not be shocked at all if Josh Allen is able to win this game against the Chiefs, especially with their team having the formula that we were talking about earlier to beat the Chiefs. But I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs. Mahomes doesn't want to lose back-to-back weeks either, much like Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the best fantasy game of the week. Oh yeah, I think I this wait. is going to be pretty high scoring. I, I think that the over under is probably going to get the uh, the over is going to get smashed in this game. Yep. And I think that you just start everybody. You do. E- even like the fringe guys, if you need like a flex, Miko Hardman, John Browns, I'd be willing to start those kind of guys because I think that they'll have value in this game. Yes. Um, yep. It, it's awesome. Clyde, Devin Singletary, both quarterbacks, Travis Kelsey, Diggs and in Hill. It's <laughs> it's going to be so, so much fun. fun. Um, and I, I'm just excited going forward with this game. Sammy Watkins, the reason I talk about Hardman, Sammy Watkins went down in the last game. Yes. He's probably not going to play, even though he gets a little bit of a longer week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Sammy Watkins being out, Michael Hardman wheels up. He's kind of a handcuff receiver. Yep. He'll be let loose, and he'll get a bigger target share. So yeah. I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be super fun, and I'm just excited for the world to see Josh Allen in primetime. Oh, I can't wait. Everyone's going to be introduced to Josh Allen in this game. They're going to see how good of a quarterback that he's been this season he's been incredible and gets to go up against the defending Super Bowl champions and the Chiefs and I'm going to be taking the Chiefs as much as I don't want to get bet against Josh Allen I'm going to take the Chiefs here I think like you said you know Mahomes doesn't want to lose two in a row here and it's going to be a great game to watch you kind of get home from work and you know you get your like dinner plate you sit down on the couch and you, you turn on this game and you got the Chiefs and the Bills it's going to be a super exciting game to watch and like you said you can start a, like pretty much anybody you want to really on both sides of the ball for a uh, uh, for fantasy, so it's going to be just a very exciting game, I think. Can't well, wait. Then the actual Monday night at the regular time, 8-15. Yep. Cardinals take on the Cowboys. Kyler Murray, Monday night football debut. He did not have a Monday night football game as a rookie last year. Yep. The Cowboys can't cover anyone this year. Nope. So DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Oof. very solid starts. Yep. I think that you can flex both their running backs if you need to. I think Chase Edmonds is a prime pickup this week if he's available in yes. your league. He's yep. someone that is increasingly getting more and more volume, and it's really going to be a um, a split backfield there, I think, moving forward. Yes. But Dalton should be able to keep the Dallas Cowboys in this game. And yeah. I think that with the NFC least being so bad, this is a must-win game. The Cardinals' defense hasn't been very good. They just lost Chandler Jones, as we talked about earlier. I have the Cowboys squeaking this one out. Oh, okay. But I think it's going to be good for fantasy regardless because oh, yeah. I think that the Cowboys defense just won't be able to cover. So I'm cool with starting Kyler, the running backs, and those two receivers, and then I'm cool with starting all the weapons basically on the Dallas side. Um, if you if Dalton Schultz has been your tight end so far, I wouldn't hate starting him. I would just temper expectations. Um, but you're starting Zeke, and if you have one of those Dallas receivers, you're not going to be scared of this matchup because Patrick Peterson is not the Patrick Peterson of old. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a very fantasy-friendly game, even with Andy Dolan and company. I mean, you're going to be starting a lot of people. I mean, you start the three wide receivers for Dallas. Obviously, you could start Andy Dolan in, and then obviously Zeke and, you know, the Cardinals. Obviously, Kyle Murray, start him. DeAndre Hopkins and Tristan Kirk are going to have a great game, I think. And obviously, the running backs, you can flex him. Like I said, Chase Edmonds, he's a, a prime uh, waiver wire pickup this week. And it's going to be an explosive game. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to take the Cardinals, though. 
Um, I could see the, definitely the Cowboys winning this game, especially, you know, they might be motivated with that going down to kind of just start rattling off some wins. I could see it, but I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think they're kind of a slightly better team right now with the Cowboys not having Dak Prescott, but it's going to be a fun game to watch. Very fran- fantasy-friendly matchup from both sides of the ball, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, a lot of people's fantasy matchups are going to come down to these two pretty big offensive games yep. on Monday night, so it's going to be a really good week of NFL football. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of those fantasy matchups, we're going to get into the waiver wire pickups. It's the waiver wire pickups of the week. We are back, and now we're going to get into the waiver wire pickups of the week. And before we go position by position, some people to check if they were dropped in your leagues. Cam Akers running back from the Los Angeles Rams. Now, most people know how good Cam Akers is and haven't dropped him. Yep. But because of the injury and Daryl Henderson's emergence in scoring touchdowns, Cam Akers is out there in more leagues than he should be. Yep. Cam Akers had a 42-yard run in this last game, and he was very efficient on the ground, eight carries for 61 yards. He is a stud running back, second-round pick, and Sean McVay already said that Cam Akers has earned himself more opportunities for this match against the 49ers. I think that is going to be a tough divisional matchup where the Rams have to run the ball and rely on Henderson and Akers. And I think Akers is going to have his coming out party one of these next couple weeks. So you want to get him now. You want to while get him now. the value is considered low, while he's considered like a timeshare running back, you want to get him if he was dropped by someone that was not happy with his production so far this season yeah I mean I think Cam Akers has probably been dropped in a lot of leagues especially I mean he hasn't really been on the field much and you know you've seen Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson step in there but Cam Akers he had a long run this past week and you know to kind of like flash like what he can be become in he's definitely a guy who could definitely take this job over eventually I mean he, he might have the most talent of out of any running back on this roster. So definitely pick up Cam Akers. I definitely think he was dropped in a lot of leagues just because of the emergence of those two while he's been down. And there's a trio of wide receivers to check for. Yep. Christian Kirk, who we talked about with this Arizona matchup, he was hurt and struggling at the beginning of the season. He has a fantastic matchup, and I think going forward he'll have flex value most weeks. Yep. Brandon Cooks emerged with Deshaun Watson, and I think that he's going to be continually involved in this offense as the one or two every week with Will Fuller. Yep. And – Preston Williams, as we talked about, great matchup with the Jets. I don't think he's rostered in a ton of leagues, and he's someone yeah. that he was probably dropped because of certain weeks where he just put up dud performances, but I think that he'll be able to eat against these Jets corners, Absolutely. and he'll be a guy that you can flex this week. So yeah. Those are three wide receivers that were drafted in most fantasy leagues, but they most likely have been cut in some of your home leagues and different things that you have going on. Yep, absolutely. And you can flex those guys, especially this week. So I, I definitely think those are like three solid guys who have definitely been dropped in a lot of leagues. Definitely go and get them. So Now, running back position, the number one guy is obviously Alexander Madison. 100%. He's out there in any non-deep league that you have um, yep. where they couldn't stash a handcuff. Alexander Madison has a prime matchup where he's going to most likely be an RB1, high-end RB2. Yep. And he's just going to be fantastic this week. He's a very good running back, very good game script. I think yes. Alexander Madison is by far the number one pickup. You don't you don't know if you're only getting one start out of him, but I would still pay up to start him this week. Oh, 100%. I mean, you got the Falcons defense, and you know they have not been good whatsoever, especially against running backs. And Alexander Madison is going to eat. I mean, he's not going to have to worry too much about Mike Boone coming in and stealing any snaps away. Alexander Madison is going to have a very good game here with no Dalvin Cook. So 
definitely he's the number one waiver wire pickup for me with the running back position. Yeah, we talked about Chase Edmonds before. He earned a passing down role with yep. the Cardinals. He's someone that you're going to want to roster because yep. he might even end up being the workhorse at some point if Kenyon Drake gets hurt or if Kenyon Drake continues to disappoint. Yep. Justin Jackson, I talked to you guys about it last week. Yep. Get the cheaper guy. He wasn't picked up in all the leagues. Josh Josh Kelly was picked up everywhere. Justin Jackson was picked up in some places. Yep. If he's out there, you need to get him because he has that Eckler role. He's going to be the passing down guy. He's going to get almost as many carries as Kelly, and he's got a good role. He's a very decent running back. Justin Herbert is showing that he can put up points, yep. so there is touchdown upside. Justin Jackson is someone that you need to own. And then Damian Harris. I think a yes. lot of people cut him because the game got postponed, but he yep. came off a 100-yard game. And he's someone that is very interesting. I know the New England backfield is kind of tricky. That's why he's kind of below those three guys I yeah. just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But he's someone that you should have rostered in your leagues if he was cut for any reason. 100%. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, Justin Jackson, he's been a guy who he looked pretty good on Monday Night Football, and they're kind of using them in that Austin Eckler role. So definitely go ahead and get the cheaper guy. Don't spend too much of your fab on, on – uh, on Joshua Kelly when you have Justin Jackson there. So definitely he's someone that I would prioritize. Damian Harris, like you said, he was probably dropped in a lot of leagues because of the COVID game. And coming off a 100-yard game, he's got a pretty good matchup in, against Denver. So Damian Harris is definitely a guy that I would be looking at as well. Yeah, talking about wide receivers, we went in depth about Chase Claypool's historic performance. Yep. Not, don't expect him to have another historic performance on Sunday. But yep. he will be flex-worthy more often than not. Yes. He's someone that needs to be owned. Yep. He's someone that can have these blow-up games with long touchdowns because he has the speed, he has the size, he has the hands to do it. Yep. Going on to other wide receivers, Mike Williams, we talked about it. Yep. Jump ball receiver, but we don't know how Keenan Allen's injury is. He's going to be involved. Justin Herbert's going to sling it. Now that Mike Williams is healthy, he's going to get some of these deep targets that we've seen Jalen Guyton and these random guys yes. in the Chargers offense get. So yep. he will have weekly flex upside. Absolutely, yeah. In certain matchups, I mean, he's a big-time boomer bust wide receiver. So Mike Williams definitely is a guy I'd be looking at as well. I mean, if you need to put me to put him in for upside, put him in there. And then three guys that I think you can spot start this week. Travis Fulgham, we talked about him with the Eagles. I don't think he's going to have as big a week as last week, but mm-hmm. he's going to get the targets, which is important. So he's someone that you can spot start if you need to. LaVisca Chenault, we talked about him from the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew's going to need to throw the ball. DJ Chark might not play. Even if DJ Shark does play, I like LaVisca either way as a flex. Absolutely. And then Tim Patrick is a sneaky one. Yes. He was definitely someone that if he was picked up, he got cut when the game got postponed. Oh, 100%. He's someone that is going to get targets from Brett Rippon. They're not super valuable targets, but he's someone that's going to be involved and be out there and have touchdown and catch upside. So he's someone that if if you're in a deeper league and you need a spot start, he's someone that I don't mind. Yeah, I mean, if Gilmore plays, I feel like Gilmore most likely would be on Jerry Judy rather than Tim Patrick. So I just think, yeah, Tim Patrick's definitely a guy. All those guys are definitely worth picking up this week, and, you know, you can spot start them in some weeks as well. So very good. Yeah, I mean, that's all we have um, for waiver wire pickups. It's pretty brutal tight end week. For quarterbacks, we said you can stream guys like Herbert, Dalton, Fitzpatrick, Bridgewater. Um, but that's all we have. We wish you the best of luck in your fantasy matchups tonight. Bills Titans at 7 o'clock right when we get off here. Kickoff. Yes, and then we wish you the best of luck in your week six matchups. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday. We'll be seeing you guys next Tuesday. Good luck.